This exciting episode of Limit Break Radio is made possible by our excellent Patreon donors. For example, Rav Mal of Cactuar, Jack O'Ryan of Sargatanis, Soren Dulak of Ultros. Thank you so much for extending your support. If you wish to prevent Limit Break Radio from going extinct, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. God damn it, Juxta. And by Taters R Us. Are you expecting a brand new fry in your life? Worried that you won't be prepared for that bundle of spud? Fear not. Come to Taters R Us. We have everything to grow your little tot into a full-fledged tater. Planning a dungeon crawl through Toto Rock? Be sure to pick up our new pouch potato in the aisle with our peeny packs. Many taters have bladder issues, so be sure to stock up on diapers, wipes, and beating sticks. Good spuds can spoil without proper discipline. The last thing you want is a dictator. Taters are us, providing you with the tools to let your potato be all it can be. I don't get it. Ascalia. Holy shit, totally forgot about him. And Mika. Oh my god. LimitBreakRadio.com Five, four, three, two, one! Welcome to Limit Break Radio. Episode 107. Thank you guys for joining us live here at twitch.tv slash limit break radio starting live now at our new time at 4 p.m. We hope that uh, as many of you join us live as possible. We thank all, uh, let's see, all 135 joining uh, of you joining us right here at the top of the show. Glad to have you along you can uh, join us live in Aorzia. That's on the Sergeant Tannis server, the Goblet Fifth Ward plot number 30. And we'll kick it on over to our Aorzian studios. A little Table. empty. A little empty this week. <laughs> uh, so if you'd like to join us, uh, we'd love to have you here waving at the camera, watching the show. But again, this is, you know, the. I don't think the problem is ours necessarily. Um, I'm sure that uh, that there's no shortage of people who don't like this show that'll be like, "Oh, look, it's just another hashtag failing podcast." Uh, there's a lot of people that are, uh, or a lot of places that are a bit empty at the moment. Yeah, I don't well, say most of them. I, I think that this is a fairly common problem. So, uh, if you want to be like this guy in his weird thong <laughs> and uh, come hang out with us on the show, then uh, you can do that by uh, coming to the Sergeant Tana server. Make a character on the Sergeant Tana server. Come to the Goblet Fifth Ward plot number thirty. That is 
that's uh, how you join us in studio. Uh, so I want to thank everyone who is joining us uh, and uh, everyone, of course, who supports the show over at patreon.com slash limit break radio. Uh, this show would not be possible without you guys. And uh, we are so appreciative that uh, that you like the show enough to want to see it continue and want to continue to see it grow. Uh, it's because of you guys that uh, we've been able to pursue opportunities like checkpoint uh, and like final encountercast and so your support is really critical in making sure that uh, those those things continue to grow and uh, we are we're on like the cusp of really big things with checkpoint and uh, we've got a we've got a big announcement that we're we can't we can't say anything about it just yet but it is really really exciting doesn't it feel like we are perpetually on the cusp of a big exciting announcement that we're not allowed to talk about yet yeah i mean like two years i feel like we've been saying that i know well one of them it didn't i don't i think it didn't end up panning out yeah i want to say like i don't know that permanently that that idea is done so i don't want to like blow the whistle on it or anything um but that was one that uh we didn't we didn't have control over which was why it you know it never really kind of ended up becoming one big tease yeah i have no idea what we're talking about right now because we never clue you in on things because you spoil it yeah it's for checkpoint you don't you're not on that show oh i don't care about that uh speaking of checkpoint guys stick around after the program because uh we're going to be airing the most recent episode of checkpoint radio right after limit break radio wraps up so uh we want as many of you to check out uh check to check out checkpoint radio as possible that's kind of a weird sentence construction check out checkpoint yeah i know right uh we want as many of you to check that out as possible so uh we're gonna air it right after the show concludes fuck yeah kooky's back yeah kooky's <laughs> back. yeah kooky's back and we got pops in the chat today yeah pops is hanging out shout out to pops for those uh, of you ab- who speculated that maybe there was some bad blood when pops left that is absolutely not the case yeah that's it was definitely the real pops it's not someone who made a new account <laughs> right pops finally figured out how to use twitch I love I love like the the the, the idea head cannon that, that yes. viewers like create exactly yeah no I mean it was according no. I mean according to some people I legitimately hate Mr Happy wow. which is I, not I, the case not the case at all don't we it's all not no are you sure Wait, yeah does that mean we should not hate him is that not do the you case hate him like, I, was, I don't I, think you guys should I was following no your should. lead I'm like and Nero hates him. He's the face of the show. He's our community leader. I got. I, I got to have his back. Where would you get the no? We're bros here. We had your back. No. You so, called him a huge dick on the other show, and you said you he thought he was really stupid <laughs> and ugly, and his jokes are bad. And that was like a couple episodes ago. I don't remember what episode. Right, don't bother looking. To but be that's fair. Your words verbatim. That's in, it. In 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 Nero's defense, those could all be true, and we could still like Mister Happy. It doesn't have to be funny for us to like it. No, for, first, first of all, I never said that, Juxta, you filthy fucking liar. <laughs> Second of all, why so would for, I say that? For, for starters, why would I you say that on, for, a, on the other show? You, no, <laughs> so no, Mr. I mean, Happy a, a doesn't find episode. out about it. A, a different episode, but for starters, you can't prove that you haven't said that. There's no possible way you can know that. <laughs> and second of all, I don't yeah, know. there's no there's no recorded account of the things that I say on this show. Well, you can't go back and listen to that stuff. No, that's he, cheating. He wouldn't go back and listen to that. Okay, stuff. I mean you that's wouldn't. fair. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know what the second thing you said was, so that's probably wrong too. <laughs> what? Really? Wow. He's just here to sow seeds of discontent. Yeah, he's a dummy. I know. 
and and yeah. and nothing nothing that he says even right down to that is true anyway uh so but, i'm a dummy but yeah you are a dummy I'm and a lot true <laughs> This power is amazing. (laughs) Real unlimited power. God damn you. Yeah, you want to know what real unlimited power is like? See, now all you have to do is say that you're muted and it's not true. (laughs) I am muted. Okay. Yeah? How'd that work? No, sorry. Doesn't work that way. His reality comes crumbling down around him. Right. Uh, anyway, so yeah, no, but I mean, like, people come up with all kinds of like weird rumors around us for some reason. Remember I think that it was time when you died. I or mean, you got pregnant, or, or yeah. that you were dating Susan Calloway. Yeah, Hi- highlight of your career, right there, man. I know. Right? I think the weird thing there was that uh, uh, Pops' like departure from the show was kind of sudden and abrupt. Yeah. Well, but- I mean, I guess it's understandable for people to speculate, but you would think that, like, I don't know, failing podcasts don't get speculated on that kind of level very mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Fair enough. Just, just the thought there. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, thank you guys for your support at patreon.com slash limit break radio. I don't know how we got to where we were from talking about that. But one word. What? Juxta. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> the best word. Okay. I don't think it is at all. Hate me instead. Send pays. Send pays. Why? <laughs> I don't know why I would. Send pays. How much does send pays? Uh, thank you, Chile. <laughs> Appreciate it. So any of you that uh, are following us or like us on uh, Facebook or on social media, uh, Kuki was nice enough to uh, post a preview of the next Patreon postcard that's going out. And uh, I I wanted to uh, I I wanted to share it with everyone here on the show. This one he wants to share with everyone on the show. What a shock. Well, the thing is, is, I mean, you you talked about it on Final Encountercast. I don't know why it is actually yeah, a pr- well because those people still you know support us too um but yes it is uh, this one particular is, is is appropriate to talk about because the person who did this one isn't the one who did the previous ones but she is the one who will do the next set so if you maybe weren't into the uh the chibi sort of styling and this even here is her take on uh the chibi style the next uh, sets that she's going to do, A, are going to star our auxiliary cast. Uh, so that's uh, people like Kuki, obviously, Pops, Senpai, even our uh, demon piano player. And we'll probably have one of Skuro that no. will be appropriately uh, demoralizing. Okay. Okay. It's, def- it's going to include probably like Trash uh, and Juxta's action figure. <laughs> We probably he really likes that. We probably won't be able to show this one <laughs> on stream, uh, but we're also going to have uh, a preview of the first one that's coming, so that way you can see uh, what her non-chibi style artwork can look like. But as you can see, uh, very distinguished. Yeah, very, very distinguished. There yeah, you yeah, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, if you haven't gotten in on the postcards from Eorzea uh, already, <laughs> now would be a good time to do so. Yeah, there you go. What does that text say? Okay, you're finally unmuted. I, I I was very mad at you. Uh, what does that text say? I think that's Daddy of Light. Oh, I no. Think it does say that. <laughs> oh, that no. Exactly what it was. Oh, my God, it is. It actually didn't click till now when you asked that. I'm like, oh, my God, that says Daddy of Light. That's Although, pretty funny. Doesn't Light have five letters in it? I don't know if she fucked that up. <laughs> or, or if it was just the Eorzean script. It's it, weird. Yeah, it is very weird. But, yeah. So, uh, anyway, yeah, definitely uh, patreon.com slash limit break radio. $20 a month will get you locked in. Like, 
do if people went to Patreon right now, do they have the ability to to get this? Like how no. you had to have paid your last one? month to get this one. That's oh. one going out this month. Yep. But you can get on for the next run, which might mean you get the kooky postcard. No, it's definitely getting Bach. Yeah, the first one's going to be Bach the piano. We already player. spoiled that one. Sorry, buddy. Oh, all right. Well, I was trying to pay attention. Type it up there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that this is a cool design, and and some people who may see the new art may be enticed by the new artwork That's right yeah so so do we think that maybe we could extend that here for for a little bit and and offer the Nero postcard for anyone new who's just seeing this for the first time well, and going oh shit i kind of no, want that no he just wants to get more of his postcards out in the world no i think i'm only being fair to our new artist but what about the exclusivity of it hmm it's exclusive content hmm i mean digital exclusivity I, I think I think anyone who's willing to put in twenty dollars to Patreon at this point after seeing this, if they think that this is cool, mm-hmm. that they should probably get the fucking postcard. They'll get a postcard. No, I think they should. I think I think we should try to get them get them this one. All right. So, if you are new to the postcards from Aorzea program, if, how about this? this? Month, how about that? No, no, no. How well? about how about this? How about do people this? get it twice? How about then? That? Because because it's exclusive. Uh huh. You've got this week. Until next Sunday, Easter Sunday, to sign up at patreon.com slash limit break radio. And if you do it this week, because we're just revealing the artwork now, I mean, because it's only fair. We we got knocked off schedule. We should have been, you know what I mean? Like, we should have been giving a bit of a preview to some of these before putting them out to try to entice new people coming, coming in. Like, hey, this is what you're going to get this month. But because of our artist's schedule... Looking at you. Don't look at me. You're responsible for wrangling these people. (laughs) Because our idea was you don't want to miss your favorite host and you don't know who's coming next. So do you want to run the risk of missing out on someone? You want to stay at that. See, I think but I think I think with with the the schedule getting knocked off, uh, you know, getting knocked off base and with changing artists and all of that. I think I think people should for the next set. We want to promo them before they go out. We can do that. You guys got seven days. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm making an executive decision. Seven. Okay, well, I'm making a Patreon executive decision. That no, you if, can't. You, if, you is, want, if you want in that. on this, then you got to send me a message because we have absolutely no way to track that. If someone signs up for $20 in the next seven days? Yes. We can't track the date. What are you? Well, we, we can track that right now, but if we don't remember to track it later, then we have no way to track that tracking what 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 are you talking about this is only active for seven days what the fuck are you talking about all you have to do is pay attention to who goes to twenty dollars in the next seven days that's it that's it that's it you think you can you think you can handle that mental mastery do we have that technology i think we do i'm not sure that we do i think we do you're gonna make it work that's what i'm gonna say it's your job make it work this changing the rules like this <laughs> leaves a bad taste in my mouth. See, Real chi- as- chili asking, will will this be changed this month or next? Will when, it be charged when- this month or next? Oh, charged this month. Hashtag mute juxta again for his IQ. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we're talking right now. At least let's finish the discussion first and then afterwards move. Yes. So, Good so point. if you, you were a Patreon for March, this is your card. If you sign up in the next seven days, you get this card as well as the April card. There you go. Okay. So, th- so this is basically incentive if you haven't already joined the postcards from Aorzea campaign to do, do so. Do it now. You got seven days. You get a bonus card. Bonus card in the next seven. The coolest days. card of them all. 
See, mm. and, and that's the only thing that really bothers me. Is yeah, part it's, of this is you wanting your card going out more. And you've got some convenient excuses for why you're saying it. That's fine. It just means that his card won't be the rarest. It's a common card now. Mm. Yeah, he does have the common. I That's fine. I'll, I'll take... And this is the coolest card, not because of who's in it, but because of who drew it. Yeah. I just want to I just want to put that out there. Uh, there's naked Lalafels in it. Yeah, there's also that. there's also I think is that supposed to be Escalia in the stocks with the beer on his head? No, is there a beer on that's your just, head? That's just that's a oh. that's a Lalafell. Why why'd you take their clothes off? You clearly stole their tombstones. I don't know. Why'd you take their clothes off? I don't know. Because he's the daddy of light. That's right. <laughs> uh, but their world is full of darkness. I would just like to point out. That for all of the dedicated trolls that we've had in the last two or three weeks, right, that we have had our uh, our Facebook post up on screen now for a good, I don't know, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. It's been a while. It's been up on screen for a while. Okay. None of these trolls have thought, oh, I should go to that post and just post horrific things. Start messing with the comments right now, which are on screen and visible. Not a one. Not a single one of you took the opportunity. Like, you could you could honestly... Now, I'm going to uncheck this and take it off the screen before I say this out loud. You could have gotten the channel banned. Because you could post... You could have posted any number of pictures that you wanted. Boobs. Dicks. A giant throbbing dick that would have got juxta hard. And you didn't. Nope. You didn't. You just didn't even bother. Missed opportunities, man. I was distracted, okay? I'm so disappointed in these quote-unquote trolls. Like, as soon as I put that on screen, I was like, this is a bad idea. And then, when nothing happened, I was like, let's see how long this will go. Let's see how long we can leave it on screen before somebody decides to fuck with it. Not a single one of you decided to fuck with it. That's disappointing. I'm sad for them. Juxta, it doesn't count if you do it now, by the way. (laughs) I heard that messenger ding go off, you dumb motherfucker. He can put it back up for me. (laughs) That's what she said. Dumb son of a bitch. (laughs) I blame Kooky for that. She just posted a... No, that was Rob... Or that was Kahlo. Made a thing in that post. (laughs) It's also Nika. Anyway. It's your fault for not muting the tab. You should have thought about that. Well, who has their Facebook thing that mute sounds not muted in the first place? I always have the tab on Facebook muted. Always. Well, and just, why don't you just mute Facebook in your account settings? Well, because I don't always want that. What? Because I don't. Because I, I I use my account my Facebook account for work. Remember, I'm a social media manager. And so it's a it's a it's a <laughs> bad idea funny. it's a bad idea to take all of the alerts off uh, you know because it takes it off among all of the platforms yeah you can't pick and choose anyway uh, you pick your nose <laughs> but you can't pick your friends which is why you're here <laughs> oh you called me your friend no I I'm not sure he did actually I don't, think <laughs> I, don't think I did you just said you can't pick your friends anyway. Uh, so yeah, if you want to, uh, get in on the, uh, postcards, patreon.com slash limit break radio, uh, just a reminder, we are not going to be live with limit break radio next weekend. There's not going to be a podcast next week. We are going to be, no, stop it with your penis obsession. Do your job. 
we are going to be doing our job because we are going to be running a marathon of fine or of uh, checkpoint radio do your job we want to run all of the episodes that we've produced for final or for god damn it <laughs> for checkpoint radio how are you gonna keep all these shows in your head man i would i would have been fine if it wasn't for droppy mcdropperstein over here get owned <laughs> they're not even good drops <laughs> is the thing Get her done. Not, it's not <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously, I'm about to punch the drops off the board. I'm going to ruin the board. My favorite, thing, my favorite thing is when he does a drop, he quickly turns the look and watch for everybody's reaction. Like he's scanning the room like, huh? 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 And then when we react, he goes back to looking for a new drop. Has it ever God gotten it. so bad that we muted drops in frustration? No, I don't, I don't think, think it, we've ever uh, no, done that. No, it was sloppy. I think we muted oh, Sloppy. Oh, yeah, we, we did. did. We, we did. did. We had to take Sloppy away. It's high noon. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why are you laughing at yourself? It's funny. No, it's not. It's really not. It's really stupid. It's There's no cleverness to this at all. We're going to be running a marathon of Checkpoint Radio podcasts or episodes or whatever the fuck they are. Uh, but uh, please join us for that. Uh, it's going to be a good time. We're going to start it at 1... Uh, so you can join us for when we usually start Final Encountercast. Uh, we'll run a uh, all. I think it'll it'll be eleven episodes at that point. So that's twenty two hours worth of Checkpoint Radio. Oh shit! Oh my, what? Two hours, two hours each. And oh my god! Thinking, you know, I hadn't considered that. <laughs> Maybe we're not going to run all of them. No. You know, you know really only the, obviously only the last half math. would be considered I didn't current. Re- I didn't really math this out very well. <laughs> we're going to be running a greatest hits selection. <laughs> no, no, Checkpoint no, I'm not. No, you no. have a habit of overpromising. You, 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 you already said this on Final Encountercast. People are going to be expecting all I'm not, 11 no, episodes. No, that's to. not. No, that's not happening. So that's let what people want. Let, let me be. Let me be clear. We're going to curate the best of for Checkpoint Radio. We're going to uh, have a bunch of those. It's going to culminate in episode number eleven. Do your job. It's going to culminate in episode number eleven, which is our latest episode, uh, which you will be able to hear. <laughs> live on uh, on the show i will be hanging out for that i may not be in front of a microphone the whole time for or listen hours yeah and the other thing is, is I, dude i don't I, the, no way would comcast hold out for 22 hours no way no fucking way i guess you'd be on the phone at some point which by the way i would actually like to ask a favor from everyone in the audience okay so uh if you've listened to the last couple of weeks of shows or if you are uh, a youtube listener you'll notice a couple of dropouts both on final encountercast and on limit break radio we've been having a lot of problems with comcast so what i want y'all to do is if you'll take a second and like go to twitter right and just have a tweet ready and prepared for if the stream goes down today that like tags Xfinity or Comcast or whoever and saying that their their poor internet service, their substandard internet service is causing you to miss out on your favorite show or your least favorite show or um, the worst show you've ever heard. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to write the tweet for you. You decide what the tweet says. But the thing is, is look, we've got to appeal to you guys because it's... I, I I feel like I've talked to so many technicians and so many customer service people. How many of them were named Brad? Um, two actually. Oh my god, two of them. 
Um, actually, I take I take that back. We'll go. We'll say that their name was Brad. It was close to Brad. It was a BR name. It was. Brad. I won't. No. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> For for the purposes of anonymity, I'm not going to actually name who it was, but Brad's Brid. Cl- Brad's close. Brad. Yes, it's Brad. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> Brad. It's Brad. B R I D. No. Brad. <laughs> I fucking hate you, you know, so much. Brad is a real Firefly esque name. It really. It is. seems like a name that would be on that show. It really is. Anyway, so uh, please, you know, g- be ready with a tweet to Xfinity or Comcast if we go down. Uh, it has been remarkable all day. Like we've, uh, the connection has been rock solid all day. Hopefully, it ends up continuing. Why would you say something like that? That way, it's been rock hard all day. <laughs> well, haven't Slow we? All? And we want it. We want to make sure that it maintains its rock hardness. Say something besides rock hard. I don't. Juxta, what is that poll you're looking at? Uh, who is the hottest LBR member? What? I don't know. It just popped up there. Popped up where? Who put that poll up? Where's uh, it at? Kooky made it. Oh, oh Kooky made, made it? Why? I don't know. It just oh, Kane, oh, Kane Thornbreaker said we need a straw poll of the hottest LBR. You can't vote for yourself twice, asshole. I'm trying to. <laughs> Where's Ooh. this poll? I don't see I'm a second. poll. Oh, my God. Skuro is also second, so you know. And Kooky. Seriously? Like, this is the thing you guys care about? Uh, on this show where you only hear our voices? Yeah. Do you not? <laughs> anyway. Uh, so uh, thank you guys for allowing us to have a week off. And uh, we hope that you enjoy uh, the uh, marathon presentation of Checkpoint Radio. Uh, we're really excited about this show. And uh, we want to make sure that everyone has had the chance to hear it and to check it out. So uh, we're going to air as many of them as possible. Um, and in exchange, all we ask that is you go to CheckpointRadio.com, check PT Radio on Facebook and Twitter, follow, like appropriately, bookmark the page uh we're gonna be trying to build the page up we've got a listen page up now that you can hear some select segments in uh but uh coming real soon we're gonna have an exclusive podcast about a 20 30 minute podcast uh every week and uh we'll also be including uh on demand full on demand episodes of checkpoint radio through checkpointradio.com so make sure you bookmark and come back we'll uh we'll obviously let you know when that happens Happens. Um, but uh, we want to we want to encourage as many people to, uh, you know, come over and uh, be Checkpoint Radio fans as possible. So, all right, let's check out what's going on in FF14 News. This is a limit breaking news update. The winners of the gear design contest have been announced and they're objectively the worst. Figurative. That healer gear is hideous. Yes, the healer one is bad. The range DPS one wasn't too bad. Yeah, did you see that? There's assless chaps in there. Wait. Oh shit! Now I remember. The Shawn Michaels pants made it in. The Shawn Michaels pants won. Now I still remember which one. We're gonna get assless pants as red mage. Oh yeah! High five from Ascalia. Woo! Oh my god, they are. That was straight up out of Shawn Michaels' wardrobe. It really is. The headpiece is actually kind of badass, though. I hope the flames actually animate. Ghost antlers is what it says. Yeah, I like pieces (laughs) of this. Like, overall, it's kind of like, what? Like, whose fever dream did that come out of? But you could use each piece separately, too, which is why it's a good set. Yes, I agree. 
Uh, it looks like something maybe out of like Castlevania, like half out of Castlevania, half out of like an anime inspired off of Castlevania. Those Dude. boots look like he was doing a Zoids cosplay and gave uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> I the the assless chaps to hammer pants is a little bit weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm 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 a little more used to the assless chaps like being a little bit tighter, skin tight. Yeah, yeah. he's got straight up like. Like, Aladdin is a stripper now. Yeah. Interesting choice, Square Enix. I mean... Can we see some of the runner-ups? I guess healers are gonna look pretty cool. No, 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 that's ranged DPS. Oh, it is? Yeah. Fuck you. you yeah, suck. the healer one's lame. Uh, let's take a look at... Uh, that was one of the ones that we had picked out. The runners-up. Yeah, yeah this one we liked. This wasn't... This, is, this isn't terrible. Not awful. Um, I like the hat. The hat's pretty darn mm -hmm. cool. Um... It's not bad. I I, I kind of I I actually wish that this was in the game. Well, I think it's, did someone someone in the chat I think said that the uh, the runner ups could be used for future implementation. I see. Um, and what the fuck is this? Lame. What is this? Like again, I kind of like the hat and the rest of it. Go yeah. away, Escalia. No, I like that hat. No, I like the hat too. Then shut up. <laughs> I don't know which one we're talking about yet. Oh, that one? Oh, that one's cool. No, it is not. A little purple. I like the scarf. I like it would the really neck, the neck thing. Is that is that that scarf's part of the coat? I was gonna right? say maybe if yeah. you're, maybe you're going to your free company showing of steel magnolia. Sure, this is pretty <laughs> fucking cool. But otherwise, lame. You fucking trashed here, weeb. What the fuck? I bet the tassels like blowing the wind too. Stop it. Those tassels are cool. Stop it. What's with the what's with the gloves with the black fingers? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they're not just little like like individual like finger gloves. It's so, they're, no, it's they're so, not. It's so when you diddle the butthole, there's no evidence left over. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that looks like the palm and the fingers are bl black material for some unknown and dumb reason that I can't explain. Her fingers are grotesquely long. They really are. Those are, those are terrifying. All the better to diddle you with. <laughs> because, like, it's weird, because, like, am I the only one that sees, like, there's, like, finger bones up here at the part yeah. that almost looks like it's a wrist? Yeah, yeah. That's weird. It's creepy. It's definitely weird as fuck. Grandma, what large fingers you have. The better I hate you with. I literally hate the boots. The boots. Yeah, I don't like the boots. With the, like, spats that they have around the ankles. What the fuck? Are those, like, tails coming out of the heel? <laughs> they have. They look like little shoe like little tails? Little ponytails coming out of the heel. You know right? what? Have no, I you not know, thought of that before? You know what they look like? They look like, you know, the, the, the butt plug tails? Right, oh, like no. yeah, they've, it's it's a butt plug that has a tail attached yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch a lot of weird porn. I, you don't judge me. Anyway, it looks Furry like porn. it looks like you've taken that. Well, anyway, it it looks like <laughs> it looks like you've taken that and glued it to the back of the fucking boot. Yeah, that's weird. Look, that's not look, good. Some people work with what they have. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. A lot of times, a, a lot of times when when girls are using the uh, the the tail butt plug, there's there's also ears involved too. It's not quite. It's not. It's like furry light. I don't know. I also learned that I'm secretly a furry. <laughs> I think that's enough to get you in furry suspicion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anytime well, you see welcome one of those, to the Escalia Club, there, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime you see one of those images, like with one of those tails, I always just think like she's just shitting. That's what it looks like every time. 
You fox-eared asshole! <laughs> wow, you never thought you'd get to use that one. I mean, used that one before. I mean, it's like it's like any time you come up uh, 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 come up against an uncomfortable thumbnail title, but the girl in the in the oh. thumbnail is really so he, really hot. So you're like, do I roll the dice? Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, like there's definitely a couple like deal breakers in there. Oh, uh, there was a comic I saw where it's like when you when you judge other people's fetishes, like, oh, what is this bullshit? Oh fuck! I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you gamble and lose. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, here's uh, here's another one. This one I actually didn't. I hate. Say, I, I, yeah, I think that we like this, this one. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I think Juxta turned this one down because he's like, oh, there's too much going on. The fire and ice one. Yeah. yeah I like oh, it. it's awful. No, you're dumb. You're a terrible. It looks person. bad. Uh, this one was also another runner-up. Yeah, um, I actually like this. This one. one again. I think we had said that this one looked like it was something out of uh, maybe Rad's at hand. Mm-hmm. Aldo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all like that one. Yeah, I think that one was pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, and I, and I do. By the way, why did Koji, this? I think, had a vote on this. I don't know how this didn't win. Why? What, this one? No, the the one before. Oh, okay. oh, no, 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 no. What? I like the hood that's going on with this, but... The hood doesn't make any sense because you see the bare chest. I, no, I know. That's why I like the hood, but the rest of it's like, eh? I, I want to know who the hell the pervert is that decided to, that they really needed to emphasize the fact that the female portion of the body was definitely dominatrix-style gear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, that's a separate sketch Outside of this, like, is was this part not enough? No, like, was that not? It's it's to illustrate, right? What you see in that middle sketch, that's the body piece. Without the legs. Well, no, because that way you don't want them to think the stuff that's on the shoulder is part of the body. Oh, because the that's arms part is part of the, the headgear. Or part of the oh, arm gear, sorry. Yes, yes, um, yeah. yeah. So then why not dry the, draw the arm gear separately? Because DD and SM. Boobs. Why Why be creepy about it? Because that's Oops. an image down there that they had already drawn and wanted to repurpose. You know what? And it's eye-catching. You know what? That definitely caught Koji's attention. Sorry, Nero. There's no fucking butt tails in this picture for you. Well, to be fair, there wasn't a butt tail on the other one. They were down on the ankles. It was like an ankle tail. Sorry, there's no tails at all. Anyway. I don't know what this is, but this is just boring. Dumb. I'm boring. I'm bored. Basic. I'm already bored. This, this is kind of intricate. Very, I like the headgear, actually, I think. It's pretty cool. Is that yeah. a chandelier behind him? It's... It's Lumiere. <laughs> is that I don't, like an astrologian What is it supposed thing? to what be attached that? to? Yeah. Why does he have a chandelier? <laughs> it's just hovering around. <laughs> when you wear this gear, that just follows you. It's just... It's uh, to light your way. Well, it I mean, floats it's con- around you. It's connected to him. It's like... Somebody interpret this. It's like a butt cape chandelier. <laughs> What <laughs> to light your ass? It's it's yes, it's like ass light rigging from why this is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> when a Nero can't even properly ridicule your design, you fucked up. God damn it! I do. I the the helmet's kind of cool though. I'm not gonna lie, helmet helmet is a little cool. I actually kind of wish I could see what it looked like without the hat on it. All right, so uh, for healer gear, oh, this is so boring. <sighs> this, this is that dot hack shit, isn't it? No, this is fucking culinarian gear. <laughs> uh, for the upcoming cook job. I, I just think it's like, I don't know, man. I'm not a, I'm boring. not a fan. It's of It's like that. I want to be Auron, but I have to be a healer too. When you've got a heal at six and cook dinner by seven. <laughs> 
Square Enix saw this and was like, you know what? We can make that pretty easy. Let's just choose that one. That, oh, my okay, God. Yeah, this yeah. screams that. And also the color pattern on like that third picture, it's awkward as hell. It makes you look fat. So is the fourth picture. That one just doesn't make any sense Yeah, if they, I mean, if they're going to implement it, they need to implement it with all of the bells I'm, and whistles yeah, on the front I'm, I'm of the first sh- one, yeah. Pretty sure that's that's the point. I hope so. Yes. Um. Anyway, so let's take a look at a few of these runners-up. That one's kind of cool. I oriental like healer? One. Really? Get the fuck out. Look, we're going into the oriental place. Exactly. Obviously. Square Enix is going to design enough of this shit on their own. They okay. don't need help. Smart on the on this person, right, to make an oriental design that's more likely to be chosen. It's better than the fucking Moogle samurai that gets the runner up later on. Oh, Spoilers. This, this is the one with the nice ass. Yeah, and the butt capes. That's <laughs> the butt tassels. Butt tassels. There's yeah. a difference. I don't I don't <laughs> Wait, is there a butt tassel? I don't see a butt tassel. Those, those... That's a front tassel. Yeah, that's on the front. Yeah, it is. What's the front part? Thigh? That seems wildly impractical. Why would you want that? You're almost tripping on that. Ugh. Anyway, this one, I, I think out of out of all of them that I've seen so far, that this one is probably one of the cooler ones. I, I like her, like, healing pack on her back. Like, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, not yeah. a healing pack. That's a fanny pack. It makes, me think, of like, it makes me think of the medic from pack. Team Fortress. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, it's actually what they they look like a physician straight up yeah why is there bat wings on it that I don't know yeah that I can't explain or defend <laughs> um, but overall I really like this one another it's runner terrible. up um, this one I don't know I like that he's not wearing a shirt <laughs> you're gay or a back of the shirt yeah exactly what <laughs> Right, like okay, you know I'm looking at I'm looking at this and I'm trying to make sense of it and I'm going wait uh huh yeah who wants that much of their back exposed when you say that you like something and then you have no idea how to defend it <laughs> I'm not I'm not it was good from far away <laughs> when I zoomed in the one that looks like Wakfu I actually I I really like the artwork associated with this one this that, pretty, that, it looks pretty good cool, but actually. the actual gear itself is kind of yeah it's well it's too it's too close to like existing garuda stuff this the god fucking damn how that even made it like you made a samurai and you gave him a moogle head that's all you did Uh, yeah it looks like they might have stolen this from somewhere like this looks like an, an image i've seen a billion times yeah i really like the staff and how intricate the design is Oh, wait, just a fucking staff. There you go. That's uh, that's all of the winners from the gear design contest. Congratulations, you weeaboo fucks. Ah, healers, you got fucked. Yeah, the healer one's a bummer. So let's talk about World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy XIV arguing over one guy on Twitter. <laughs> uh, they had another Twitter battle. Oh, This is pretty fucking funny because this one is ongoing. Yeah, yep, yep. So it starts off with someone being like, oh, what do I do? Final Fantasy or World of Warcraft? At S- now, who is this guy? Like, is is he like a streamer or someone with a big audience? He's got 414 followers. So, That's it. So, no, he isn't any bigger than I am. Actually, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I have more followers than he does. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure my Nero Twitter account that I never use has more followers than this. He really wants people to shut up about politics, though. <laughs> Yeah, I see that. That's a view everyone can get behind. Anyway, so uh, this this guy, S1N3N, says he doesn't know if he should pick up FF14 or World of Warcraft. And Warcraft, of course, res- responds fairly quickly that 
you know, like laser eyes, bro. Yeah, laser they, beam eyes. No, no. At least Blizzard can also, or, or World of Warcraft, you know, says they're biased, right? So thank you for coming out and saying that. I mean, it, it, in all fairness, I guess sure. Yeah. Um. There's there's no way to kind of recuse yourself of of that. But I mean, it's the the fact that the fact that they got involved mm-hmm. and replied. Um. But then FF14 steps in. And uh, ups the ante, and and they they also uh, have submitted a reply. Here I'm trying to get, I'm I'm working on getting it on screen. There we go. There we go. Because there's there's enough there's enough animated gifs in here that it makes it worth it. Mm-hmm. Get it up, Daddy. Phrasing. God damn it. He knew what he was saying. Yeah. Anyway, uh, FF14 responds with laser eyes. Huh? Here have a building sized meteor. Is that I like feel a- like FF. Set themselves up good because I know where they're going from here. I mean, it, you know, they're really only showing a limit break animation, which mm-hmm. I mean, it is a good animation. Who Don't are they get me fighting? Wrong. Well, a dragon, Dargan number six. Okay, fair. I, fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, because obviously they could have went straight to Bahamut, right? But they were holding some of their cards back. Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think that that's probably one of the more visually impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So World of Warcraft jumps back in. Uh, you, 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 Robbie, can you can you read this uh, from back here? No, I can't. Oh man, yeah, okay. I was gonna say because because you would actually you would actually have some context for this, but uh, anyway, uh, I guess. Uh, Do you want me to read it? Sure. I, I oh, okay. I, I didn't know you had it up yeah, and you was okay. doing your job. I, yeah, I, I yeah. can't ever expect you to do your fucking job, Juxta. Well, it's a lot easier when I can watch you guys do stuff with here because I can't see over there, so I have to do my own thing. So it says, World of Warcraft says, Aha! Gul'dan wants to have a word with you about the definition of building-sized meteor. Well, and I guess that's fair. See, now I feel like this is what FF was doing. They were <laughs> setting them up because they're like, oh, yeah, here we go. The coup de grace. That's now. right. So FF14 shoots back. That's big, but we'll raise you an entire moon harboring an elder primal Bahamut. Deathwing is lucky if he might get an audience. Oh. <laughs> Savage. Oh. Savage. Savage. And uh, but, but World of Warcraft says destroying moons. That's cute. How about an entire world? And then there's a, a demon spacecraft. Yeah, right. What? What? What's? It, I, it, uh, it, I'm pretty sure that that's Sargeras destroying the uh, home planet of the Drane Eridar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, from their demon spaceship. That's right. And I thought the Final Fantasy's comeback was pretty awesome. Like, so, like you don't even have to top it. Yeah, that's a shame. Let us know if you need some heroes to help protect Azeroth. <laughs> mm-hmm. A uh, bunch of other people were trying to get in on it, like Blade and Soul shared a thing saying, meanwhile, we're over here like, and then it's just a bunch of their characters dancing in bikinis. <laughs> Damn it, Blade and Soul. Uh, Fuck <laughs> off, Blade and Soul. My Stop favorite it. was Overwatch put up a gif of Stephen Colbert with uh, 3D glasses on eating popcorn. <laughs> like, we're just over here like. Some of these, yeah, some of these replies are uh, are pretty, uh, pretty hilarious. <laughs> like, all these people, <laughs> now kiss. <laughs> Gonna need a sensu for that one. I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean some of the, some of these replies, like Blade and Soul trying to jump in and make themselves relevant. Like, Shut come, up, on. come on, no one, no one buys this shit. No one, no one for a second is gonna be like, oh yeah. No, yeah it's always my favorite thing though when two companies, especially ones that you love, like you know, get into it over each other. Yeah, this is the. I, I think that this is hysterical and uh, good PR for both both games. The thing is, I mean, do we know which one he chose? Did he? Did he? Shit! Did, did he even respond afterwards? 
I mean, he said he he came in, he stepped in and said, uh, "Your turn, Warcraft. Where do you go from here?" Also, you guys picked up uh, picked up his uh, battle of the century on Imager. Keep keep up, love you both. Oh, okay, I guess I, I get it. I get it. Uh, I don't. Let's see. Blade and Soul. No, that's uh, the only thing he responded with. Yeah. I mean, there's some... Th- I don't think he ever said definitively... No, it doesn't look like he did. No. He's got to choose, man. Yeah, the world yeah, wants to know. We got to know. God, come on. They both acknowledged you and had a Twitter battle over you. Pick. God damn, dude. Goes to Guild Wars 2. <laughs> Plays Hearthstone. This guy's a jerk. I don't think I want him as a part of our community. Yeah, you dick. Yeah. You can have him, Warcraft. Ooh, he's got a Twitch channel. Really? Yeah. Is he? If he's live after the show, we'll host him. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, that was uh, definitely entertaining for sure. Uh, so that uh, takes care of FF14 news. We'd like you to line well, up. There's, there's one more news. No, something really important. What? Ten weeks remaining in the countdown. Oh. Just 10 more weeks, guys. I got myself excited for a piece of news. Ten. That wasn't actually there. We're almost down. I thought he was going to have something. Below Why do I digits. keep expecting anything? Almost under two digits. One thing that actually was kind of newsworthy is Austin Creed came out in a red mage or in a uh, bard outfit. Jeez. Why? 10 weeks. It was on the outline. Remind people of this shit. No, we're doing a countdown. <laughs> it's going to make it seem go so much faster. Did any of you guys actually get to see WrestleMania with Austin Creed in the nah, New Day? I just saw pictures and just stuff. Just saw pictures of it. Oh my god, it's so good. They walked out with the the Red Mage Samurai and the uh, Monk actually Monk cosplays. Oh, so what good. music did they use? Did they use FF music? On the walkout, they walked out to their original music, I believe. Aww, they should have had like a Chocobo music. Oh, that'd have been great. Right. I was too distracted looking at their fat Chocobo ice cream cart. Did they actually <laughs> pass out ice cream to people? They've been, like, hyping up the idea of ice cream, but I don't think we've actually gotten any ice cream like, They yet. actually came out with, like, fat chocobo ice cream pops. I'd have lost my mind. That'd the, have been legit. CM Punk's tale of getting WWE ice cream bars back would have finally come full circle. <laughs> now, I, I, I do want to send a shout-out to Austin, who uh, has been nice enough to uh, appear on Checkpoint and... Uh, and, and also we ran I think we ran that same interview on uh, Final, Final Encounter. Encounter as well uh, and he's dude he's just a fantastic guy and uh, it was really cool seeing FF14 representation at Wrestlemania it was a weird crossover but n- being that Austin is a very avid fan of FF14 I thought it was really really cool and you know it was just a small touch uh, I, I, I think like you know, like if you didn't know what Final Fantasy was, you didn't walk away from that going like, well, uh, now I know. Yeah, I mean, you got a little <laughs> bit of a hint because they played a trailer for Stormblood because Stormblood oh, was did helping they? host. Oh, yeah, Stormblood okay. was like helping sponsor up. WrestleMania. That's what's up. Yeah, so you got a trailer. You at least knew what the what the gimmick was. Oh, okay, but that's I mean that's pretty cool to uh, like. Then it seems like that never happens for any of the like. I always see crossover stuff. In, and I'm like, dude, it would that would be great, except I don't play or give a shit about that game. Like a couple of years ago, like Triple H, his entrance was like all Terminator themed. Right. Like yeah. it was a whole Terminator entrance. I'm like, that's that's interesting. Was but that yeah. around the time that they were trying to push the Sarah Cron- Connor Chronicles? No, that's when the, the la- last movie Chronicles. was coming out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but uh, no, I thought that this was really, really cool. And uh, especially coming from someone that actually does play the game. Yeah, someone where we know they weren't just like handed some money and said, here, wear this. Like, right. 
No, he loves FF14. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, if there was a wrestler who had his theme built around video games and, like, each match, he, like, you know... His name's TJ Perkins. Watch the Cruiserweight division. That's right. We showed that video on the show. Did we? Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's, it's, it's like, like a, a very Mega Man-esque Yeah, entrance. it's like a character select screen. And, yeah. When I was here, though... God, dude, I don't know <laughs> okay, when the fuck well, you're here and when you're not. Exactly. There was like a six month period where you didn't show up to shit. I know. I was in South Africa. <laughs> he was you? A, what? He started an, an orphanage in South Africa. <laughs> And it burned down, so I had to come back stateside. But anyway, uh, super big shout out to uh, Xavier Woods and all of the uh, New Day. And uh, dude, I, I mean, like <laughs> Jim Link says that advertisement was our third Dungeon Boys. Kind of. Oh my god, having New Day as like Dungeon bosses—that <laughs> oh would be god. awesome. That would be kind of cool. Uh, Square Enix at WWE third job hashtag wrestler confirmed. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't... Brawler. Yeah, grappler. Grappler, there you go. There you go. Why not? Uh, so, yeah, but that was uh, that was super, super cool. And uh, I, 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 I mean, like, one of the videos that I think was most viral from all of WrestleMania was the uh, Hardee's pop. Dude... That's huge. Like the basement that I was in watching it, everyone lost their mind. My mom, who has not watched <laughs> wrestling in probably eight years, like she used to watch with us occasionally. Yeah. She came like running down the stairs, like, is that Jeff Hardy's music? Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a it was a huge moment. And yeah. and I think that it's been viewed so many times. But like to see that you know, to see them out there in the uh in the costumes, the samurai and the red mage costume. And it was just like it was really, really cool to see that get that much exposure. And hopefully it ends up it ends up pretty well for them yeah i would hope so uh did you see the animated graphic that they had behind them on the, it was like that they, they were riding the fat chocobo yeah. that was pretty fucking funny the chocobo's legs or his thighs looked like giant balls they did yeah, look like testicles sure it was weird it, <laughs> it was, was weird a little weird yeah but uh anyway that was uh, super super cool so uh all right uh, I have some more news. No, uh, you don't. LBR news uh i have the results from who is the hottest lbr member poll that kooky posted like 20 minutes ago oh okay oh okay uh, it's not who you think. It's a Scalia, isn't it? Oh, I guess it is who you think. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, but you're not going to know who the second person is. Is it Nika? Oh, wow. Huh. Well, That's technically weird. the second person's tied with someone else. Are you oh, looking at the results? Yeah, I'm looking at the results. Me? Right I'm not. No, no. yeah. I'm okay. oh. oh, yeah. Don't cheat. Yeah, second nope. and third are tied. Nope. Yeah, with Kooky. Okay. But if you take away all the girls, because <laughs> they don't really count anyway, then it's a Nero... Okay. And then me. All right. And then Papa. Okay. And then Kahlo. Wow. And then Skrull. Skrull's only gotten one vote. (laughs) It was probably (laughs) (laughs) Skrull. If I know Skrull, which I really don't, but I would imagine. Do you know Trash? Yeah, kind of. Then you know Skrull. Do you know Pandas? No. I don't don't know. know I don't know any any Pandas. Anyway, uh, so... Let's talk about 2.0 versus 3.0. We've got the entirety of 3.0. We've seen it from one end to the other. And, you know, I think it's only fair that we see how it measures up to additional content that we've gotten in the past. Now, obviously, there is a little bit of unfair comparison between 2.0 to 3.0. You can't you can't really compare it on a one to one basis because the 2.0 launch 
was probably the biggest refresh and injection of content that the game has ever seen. Ever, okay. In its entire Hold development. On. I would like to preface that then. I don't think that you can judge on a one-to-one basis if you played during 1.0 and you got to experience that change. But seeing as how I went in right at 2.0, yeah, I'm going to judge on a one-to-one basis. Well, but then there's also the people who came into the game when Heaven's War was already launched and the 2.x content was piss easy because you're just getting carried through it. Uh, well, I mean, difficulty is one thing, but I mean, I, being that it's a Final Fantasy game, and one of the reasons that we boast, you know, about it for w- w- with such pride is narratively speaking, and whether you're level a million or or level three, the narrative's the narrative. You know, that doesn't affect it. Uh, but uh, but this is this has to do more with with the way that we're framing the comparison, because what I'm saying is, if you compared 2.0 to 3.0. It's not it's almost uncomparable, right? Like the amount of new content or content that we would have been considered new at that point is I mean, it was an entire world apart from 1.0. There's no there's nothing that carried over almost nothing that carried over from 1.0 to 2. You're saying that 2.0 in and of itself was a new game. Right. 3.0 was an expansion. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a different concept. Yes, exactly. Because 3.0, while, you know, while it delivered new content, it didn't end up breaking down, subverting or changing any of the fundamental ways that 2.0 operated. It built upon it. Exactly. Right. So it's not exactly. That's what I mean when I say it's not exactly comparable. But the way that we're framing the comparison is how the game felt at 2.0 or 2.1. The challenges that were involved at that point, what felt challenging and the amount of content incoming with each patch. That, I think, is a much more fair litmus test and a much more fair basis of comparison to do between 2.0 and 3.0. What did it feel like you were being challenged to do during 2.1 versus 3.1, right? I think that that is a little bit more of a fair comparison because the patch cycles mirrored one another. We got all the way to 3.5. If we'd only gotten 3.4, I think you would have had a tough time doing a comparison because objectively, A Realm Reborn would have definitely been bigger. Okay, so when you look at it from that kind of framing, I think that that is a much more fair way of doing a doing a a comparative analysis. So we're going to go through patch by patch from 2.0 all the way up and compare 2.0 to 3.0. And we want to hear from you and whether if you think we're off base, specifically, if you think that we're off base, we want to hear from you. Um, you know, we got we got some criticism on our YouTube channel uh, last week. Oh, no. And and one of one of those pieces of criticism was like, well, why don't you guys ever debate other FF14 shows? What? Apparently, you've never bothered to do a search string on Limit Break Radio because we do that all the time. Yep. We've had Sly on. We've had Joe on to directly challenge a point that we've, we've, we've been making. We have yeah, Ethis on regularly. Fusion Y on. Fusion comes on. Ethis comes on. Mr. Happy. Wait, has he been on? Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Happy. We've had him on. Yeah, we've, we've yeah. had him. And we go on their shows all the time, too. And if you think that we play, that, that you know, we, we sing a different tune when we go on their shows, we don't. 
Like no. we shit all over their shows too. That's right. Just go look at the State of the Realm episode that we <laughs> decided to shit on. There's shit all over. all over. Shit yeah. of the realm. There's we call shit it. all over the walls. We affectionately refer to it. <laughs> Damn this good shit. And that's not that's not a criticism of on on State of the Realm as a show. But we we just came over and just like we <laughs> just took down our pants and just started <laughs> shitting all over the walls. <laughs> They, just they were cleaning up not for weeks. not not in not in like a bad way but like a a sort of like this is my like a territorial way <laughs> right so it's more like we were pissing everywhere that's right we were yeah. claiming the territory that's it was, right it was easy to clean up but like if you if you really kind of smell for it you're like ah oh, lbr's been here haven't they <laughs> i mean yeah i don't know why we choose to do it with feces but <laughs> Maybe it would be easier if we just pee places. And you know, this isn't on us either because we were on their show once and then they invited us back. Again, so yeah, that's on them. This is Happy and Sly. That's on them. Yeah, can't, they, they sorry. They brought this on themselves. It, it, anyway, so the thing is, is that, uh, you know, y- y- I think that it's it's a little bit difficult to level that charge against us that we don't accept outside opinions or we don't encourage trolls to try to do the best that they can. We left a fucking Facebook thing up for like 10 minutes and you guys did nothing. Uh, we take every call that we get. We don't I mean, we have a call screener, but that's just so that she can like alert us to like, hey, this is the person who's calling because we can't we can't do that. That's, it's a production thing. Like we're not. We're not preventing you from calling in. If you call in and try to troll us, we're going to let you troll us. You're actually more likely to get on than a return caller who has a legitimate subject because we like having new voices. That's yeah. right. The only reason like you call and don't get on the air is if you got like a baby or a dog barking in the background or your microphone is such garbage we can't hear it. Or if you just don't call. That too. I mean, I, I, I've... I've been seeing the same person go on and on about, oh, I'm going to call, I'm calling, I'm calling, you guys better pick up. Well, we're fucking here, man. We're ready. We've 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 always been here. We're it's not like we're ignoring you. your call. Do it, dude. Dumb not, shit. Not the same way that I'm ignoring the calls from your mom. And here it was Trump. Damn. Weak. What? That wasn't even very good, yeah. Thank you. I was matching his skill in trolling. Anyway, um, so we'd love to hear from you. If you want to uh, challenge anything that we're talking about, any of our opinions, uh, our cynicism, whatever you want, man, call. Uh, Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715, LimitBreakRadio.com slash Discord. Uh, so let's let's go like do a patch by patch breakdown and uh, look at a Realm Reborn's launch. We'll start at the very beginning of uh, of going back to the launch of a Realm Reborn. Now you would think that coming off of a game as bad or as frustrating as FF14 1.0, uh, you know you would have a really hard time drumming up some enthusiasm and some hype around uh, trying to rebuild the game. But Square Enix did this very effectively and uh, Realm Reborn's launch was I think one of the best in modern MMO history where you you just had a ton of people that were like this is great and definitively having a great time playing FF14. Well we talk a lot about sentiment on this show and yeah the, the sentiment for the game was that was probably its high water mark was right about there. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think that by rebooting the game, they did themselves a lot of favors. Because first of all, right out the gate, you're no longer being judged based solely on your product. They're going to be judging this game based on what it was 
and how it's improved. So honestly, it was kind of hard to miss the mark in my eyes. Plus, because of 1.0, you already had a lot of pre-established lore set up, so now you don't have to take quite as long creating and establishing all of you that. Know, yeah, but the thing is, is like a lot of times, if you have that lore hanging over your head, it is it is more of an anchor. It's more of a it, it's it's more of a limitation. That's why they destroyed <laughs> everything. So then it wasn't really a limitation. Well, it, you but, get to design it from there. I think you've got to hand it to the to Yoshi P as well as the lore staff for being able to craft a narrative as cogent as they did for a Realm Reborn, considering that there was almost no cogent narrative throughout the entirety of 1.0. I think you know maybe the last two patches in 1.0 that. You know, introduced Dalamund falling and saw uh, the completion of um, of uh, Nail's storyline. Those were really kind of the only halfway cogent plot points that were in the entire thing. The rest were a ton of plot threads mm-hmm. or like in you know original intention. Like like honestly, what Tanaka had put out there for a fucking storyline was the saddest excuse that I've ever seen in an MMO and. They like they had a, tr- a, dump- a bit of a dumpster fire to work with. It was a large dumpster fire, but it was still a dumpster fire. And I think that, you know, all the credit needs to be given to Yoshi P and the lore team for being able to look at that and go, OK, we can we can still do something with this. We can still make something out of it. And they took characters that I think up until this point were largely forgettable. I think even many of the science were largely forgettable. Oh, yeah. And they fleshed them out into characters that you ended up giving a genuine shit about. But I think Callow makes a really good point, too, that 1.0 was so, so bad that, like, by virtue of the game being functional, it was infinitely better come 2.0. Like, like yeah, that, but not- that, that immediate comparison in your head, because everyone, like like me, who sat down remembering trying to play the playing through 1.0 at launch, I sat down and said, oh... I can actually play the game now, but that, but I think that that also kind of does a disservice to them at the same time because they did far more than make a functional game. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. They, ma- they made not only a functional game but a narrative masterpiece. I would yeah. say, you know, th- what they had uh, strived to achieve in 2.0 was a narrative unlike I've ever seen attached to an MMO, and that I think, you know, if you're just saying like, well, all they needed to do is produce a no, functional game. No, no, no. They did so they did that and they did so much Which more. Which I think compounded their success. Like Absolutely. it's one thing to make a good game and it's one thing to rescue a broken game, but doing them on top of each other like blew people's mind. Like they were like holy shit Look what they were able to fucking do. Yeah, look at that turnaround. I mean, it, everyone kind of loves a, uh, you know, from... A, redemption story. Yeah, a redemption story. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Everyone does love a redemption mm-hmm. story. And, you know, Square Enix had come out and said, look, we, we fucked up. We made a mistake. We want to try to fix it. And if we're going to do it, we're, you know, we're going to need some time. And I think that that put a pin in a lot of people's sentiments, like literally just a, it just stopped it. It just mm-hmm. it, the, the negative sentiment didn't continue, but the positive sentiment sentiment hadn't been earned yet. Yeah. Yep. And then when 2.0 came out, it's like they earned it. And then some because it was it was so fucking good. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's like. Duke Nukem Forever. That game, when it finally came out, no one had any expectations for it. It was such a mess. It was just no one. You you expected nothing, and that's pretty much what you got. It was functional, I guess. 
if Duke Nukem Forever had come out and then been great, it would have been what Final Fantasy fourteen was. It would have been I, a similar idea. I don't know about that. You don't think so? No, I, I, I think I think Duke Nukem has kind of limited brand appeal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know I, I'm, I'm, look at how the new Doom came back and like really turned everyone's you know minds around on the Doom franchise. Well, but I'm, what I'm saying is is that Duke Nukem was a little bit of a more he's a, he's a bit more of a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. There is a way to 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 handle a, a character like that, but I'm I'm not sure that you know doing what they did with Doom would have been applicable with with Duke Nukem. You you would actually really have had to make a. An attempt at real comedy, not just dumb. Yeah, had they like reinvented him in some way or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Dune's pointing out maybe a better example. Starcraft Ghost, if that had been realized and been good. If Titan had been oh, good. Oh, there you go. If they had if they if they had done Titan, like if they had decided, okay, this this build of it sucks, we're gonna rebuild it. Maybe I no. I, I still maybe that's the point. Maybe there is no real good comparison. It, there really isn't because here's the thing: Square Enix brought FF14 1.0 to market. People bought it. That's the difference. They spent money on it. That's the fucking difference. Is that you had to earn people back after you fucked them out of their money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's a hard sentiment to overcome. Square, but Square Enix did it, and they did it in pretty impressive fashion. I gotta say. Yeah. Yeah. It's like convincing people to put your dick into a box and there's a snake in there and it bit you. And then they're like, all right, you know what? We fixed it. We have a better box. Put your dick in there again. And (laughs) people people did. And they're like, wow, this is so much better. Yeah. And then they bring you a box a second time around. That's the same box. It just says no snakes inside on top of it. (laughs) And you're so relieved that there's not a snake in that box. (laughs) Oh, we're relieved that there's not a snake in there? Do you want there to be a snake in the box? Have you ever had your dicks bitten by a snake before? Have you? Yeah. It's, it's pretty... It's not the worst experience, okay? What's the worst experience, then, in your eyes? What's worse than in your... That I've had or that yeah, in no, general? Yeah, that you've had. <sighs> there was that one time... Snake the, in the dick box is not the worst. No, no. It came after. That was actually the cactus in the in the ass <laughs> we don't want to get into that though <laughs> you've lived a hell of a life you've explored transgender sex clubs you've had your I, s- I haven't uh, Whoa. I, I wish I could super defensive there <laughs> I've never been in any of them no I, I mean I want to don't get me wrong I wish I could be part of that club but no no I have never he didn't the, he, gotten the opportunity. He to. doesn't wear that badge. He gets turned away at the door. I've never looked I, it. I can't even find the door. I've never looked it up longingly on Google Maps before. <laughs> oh my god! That now I'm happen. picturing my my transgender sex club, and it's like outside. Jux is just in the rain across the street watching as a bus goes by. And it splashes <laughs> me. I have a stick and like poking the water as it goes by. I think he's holding an umbrella. The the, the, the umbrella is upside down, so it's not even working. It's like. <laughs> That was a fat joke to Toru. The funniest, uh, the funniest part of that is that there's probably an entire collection of dudes that do that. There's like seven of them. Dude, tranny chasers are fucked up. <laughs> Dude, you don't even know. All right, so I met this guy on OkCupid. Okay, who, all right. Thirty minutes we're after having st- met we're him, we're getting into story time. Oh story. yeah, oh yeah. Thirty minutes after having met him, he offered me two thousand dollars a week to come live with him on the grounds that I wear the clothes that he chooses for me and stay in shape. 
and you turned it down. Why are you still here? Yeah. Uh, well, I would have had to go live in Oklahoma, and I'm relatively certain I was going to be turned into a woman suit. Oklahoma, yeah. That's probably okay. fair. Yeah. I, first of all, I didn't know what the internet connection situation was like in Oklahoma. I, was I say, wasn't on board for that. At the very least, if you were still alive now, you'd be able to listen to Checkpoint. Fair. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> fair, as I count my $100,000 a year that I didn't get because I'm dead. <laughs> As you're chained to the radiator in the basement. Now, I'm going to tell you what the most offensive part of this story was. Is like his name was something like XX Sephiroth on Facebook. Oh, I'm like, I can't do no. it. No, I can't do it. That was oh, the no. deal breaker. That, yeah. Awkward. Yeah. Um, I'm just letting you know, like, if you if that's your screen name for anything, that's like that's also the kind of person that you are. That you are. Yeah, that was <laughs> uh, like, yeah, training chases are weird. That's all I really can say. Did about he it. ask you to do anything with feet? With feet? Yeah. Because no. that would have made it super weird. No, that wasn't his That's thing. where, that's where about, Nero crosses the line. What about foot stuff? Feet tails. <laughs> yeah. What about ankle tails? You know, we hadn't gotten that far into the conversation for ankle tails. Mm. Uh, he did let me know that anal was a must, so. Mm. Butt stunts. Yeah, butt well, stunts are definitely a must. I mean, obviously. Well, no, a lot of guys only want your mouth. Really? Yeah, that's pretty common, actually. A lot of guys aren't into anal. There's... Huh. I'm, I'm learning a lot I'm today. I'm Surprised at that. Oh yeah, Omega Wetwall brings up a good uh, a good point. Ar- armpit stuff. Oh god. You know, I've never met anyone who's into armpit stuff. It is pretty. It's a pretty gross area. That's of the a body. niche market. I feel like that's kind of like like you know boob fucking, but armpit fucking is like kind of like in the same general like texture area. You know. Yeah. I- what? <laughs> An armpit is the same texture as boobs? Well, not exactly the same, but I mean, not one to one, but maybe like seventy-five to one percent ratio. You know. Oh, no. He's, no, he's thinking of his own... He's thinking oh, of... how he feels it? That's right, yeah. Of, like, if someone fucked his armpit, it might feel like a boob because there's just so much enormous fat there, right? Well, I wasn't going there, but I guess that's still probably... The, no, that's what you deserve for, for taking this conversation where you did. To be fair, it was a wet wall. Guys, scenario. I can't believe that I'm asking this, but can we talk about Final Fantasy XIV <laughs> some more? <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry for that derail, but that story popped in my head. I'm like, oh, that's got to be said on air. Thanks. You're welcome. <sighs> Appreciate it. This was an appropriate forum for that. Yeah. Would you Do like you me more? If you, oh, oh. Why don't you two go out in the other room <laughs> I tell you what, not and today, have this conversation? But somewhere in this 10 weeks, I will bust out my OkCupid account, and we can go through some oh, of my old messages. Jesus. You know what? Yes, that, yes. May, that may be its own show. Every right? day that we don't get an ERP fanfic... We're gonna have a Scalia OK Cupid time. Oh, God, it's not happening. That's the, that's the throw it on. This is my glove. It's been thrown. So my girlfriend just texted me and said, "Oh, we know you're not." Sorry. Ha! Yeah. Uh. <laughs> the the Sorry. girlfriend has spoken. <sighs> Come on. Anyway, so uh, <sighs> on the topic, I believe we were talking about narrative stuff. Narratives of FF14 2.0 versus 3.0, yes. One of the things that I thought 2.0 missed out on, and I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of people feel that the Scions are forgettable, is they didn't really play much of a role until near the end of the original 2.0 storyline. In fact, how many times was it like, we're going out, we're going to do stuff, and it's like, all right, we killed the Primal. Thancred shows up. Oh, I just missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Or Yastola's, I've been watching the whole time. Good Job. Yeah, I mean, I remember Juxta for the longest time. You hated all the Scions, Yastola and Yida specifically, mm-hmm. until near the end of the story, and we actually got to see them in action. And you're like, all right, they're actually pretty fucking cool. Now that they're doing stuff, it's 
Not the worst yeah, thing in the but world. It, it didn't happen until the end, around the time that like Thancred got kidnapped by the uh, by the Asians. Yeah. So like all this stuff prior to that, the Scions were there, but they weren't doing anything. Yeah, they were just sort of serving as like uh, your dispatchers. Mm-hmm. Now that's something that I thought that Heaven's War did well. Not with the Scions, obviously, because they were missing for the longest time. But, but characters. But our characters that we got introduced to right at the beginning, which in this case would have been Elf, I guess Elf and Al, but uh, Ysail and Astinian and even Emric to, to a certain extent. I like I remember going through 2.0 and like my first time meeting like Ida and Papalimo and being like, oh, you know, Ida's fun. But yeah, everyone that you meet is just objectively boring for the entirety like of that storyline. They very it very much felt like you were supposed to have played 1.0 and already known who they are. Except everything that I hear from people who play 1.0 is that they were boring in there too. Yeah, they didn't really have much to uh to go on. So wh- when did they start building their characters to the point where it was like Oh, now, now these, the, you know, these characters are supposed to mean something to me. I hate to say it, but for me, I didn't care till Heaven's Ward. And as as mad as I was of, about them coming back, at least when they came back, they didn't just suck. No, for for me, it was definitely near the end of the 2.0 storyline when we're like, you know, rescuing Thane Crid and stuff at, like that. Yeah. yeah. So it was. Uh, what's the name of the the Castrum that's actually near in the uh, Silver Tier Lake Zone? Uh, not Meridianum, but uh, when we're, the Praetorium where you go there. No, that's still the same place. Yeah, no, I uh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, all right, you, you know the one that I'm talking about. Up there, there's a mission that takes place there when we actually get to see Yida and Yishtola in action up there, and that's when I really started to be like, you know what? These guys are actually badasses. They're not just these set pieces that Square Enix introduced us to and then, you know, set on the peripheral uh, of our vision. That's kind of true, because until then, like, the most you get to see is, like, like Thancred or Ida and Papalina, you know, helping you with like a level fifteen mob. Yeah, right. yeah. They and just show up and talk. Well, there was there was one scene with the Scions facing off against Gaius that happened in one point oh. Oh, that was with so it, good. Where they were actually pretty badass. That ends with uh, what is it? It's the um, airship that you end up fighting as the second boss for uh, Silver Tier. Oh, uh, in in uh, what's the fucking I can't remember the name of the dungeon. Keeper of the Lake. Keeper of the Lake. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, the second boss for Keeper of the Lake. That's the thing that actually fires the cannon shot at you. Oh. And, ah. and is that big explosion behind Gaius, right? So that that actually was a very cool moment that the Scions were involved in, but probably the only cool moment from 1.0. Everything else was, you know, just, you know, kind of them telling you what to do and where to go. And, and how then, to live and how then, to dress. Yeah. And then, like, you would go do it like you would beat Ifrit and then they would be there on the exit. Yeah, and it would exactly. Be like, oh, I feel so bad that I didn't show up and help you. Which uh, is why. Which, shut up, Thinker. Which is why I think in later expansions, like later in Heaven's Word and stuff like that, like, we actually have moments, uh, you know, we have the... the, the like keeper of the lake where we do the final fight with uh what is that we, we do that with Astinian, don't we uh, not keeper of the lake. not keeper, not of, the keeper lake. of the lake um no. what's the what is the, the one, one that we do with this? the purple one yeah, that's it yeah yeah oh the airy yeah there the it is the airy yep yep yeah I, but again like it's finally like 3.0 because they tried to write it off in 2.0 with because most of the scions are able to be tempered by a primal right right that's why they don't, they're not there for you but at least in 3.0 they they come back they all kind of get their own uniform as cosmetic as that is and they at least like they establish like what their character is and what they're going through at that mm-hmm. time at least right. you get some development with well, them well i i think maybe the reason that we miss out a lot of that in 2.0 
because we got a little bit later on, you know, like remember the uh, the scene where we get to see Thancred using like the sweet uh, ninja moves and stuff during the Leviathan arc, right? Yeah. Right. I feel like one of the reasons, like maybe they had this weird idea, like, well, if they're there, they should be in the battle helping you, you know, but honestly, they don't need to be, right? Like, like we can suspend belief for a minute, battle stuff, then have them be in the cut scenes and just be like, yeah, they were there, quote unquote, helping us. Let's go to our phone lines and talk to Alto Ryuki of Hyperion. What's going on, Alto? Not much, man. Thanks for calling Limit Break Radio. All right, no problem. Um, yeah, kind of wanted to talk about the uh, the 2.0 through 3.0 type storylines. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed with 3.0, really. Oh, are you? I think uh, I think that you're gonna find that sentiment. Uh, yeah, overall, uh, you're gonna common. be you're gonna be in good company there. Like, there's there's definitely a lot of people who I think found the entirety of Heaven's Word once all was said and done to yes. be overwhelming, especially in comparison to 2.0. I think anyone who played through the entirety of 2.0, like if you picked it up when Heaven's Word came or when uh, A Realm Reborn came out, that in comparison one to the other, uh, I mean, spoilers, I guess, for this entire discussion, but <laughs> but that A Realm Reborn felt way more substantial than Heaven's Word did. Heaven's Word didn't, uh, you know. I, I'd like to point out that at, at launch, so, so just 3.0, that was all great. Oh, yeah. It, it was <laughs> in uh, the point one through point five patch that all the balls were dropped. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think I, I got to agree with that. Uh, Alto, what do you think? Um, I would agree, too, because like through the 3.0 launch, it, it felt good until the Moogles happened. <laughs> then uh, after that, when you got to put down an old man, that felt good, too. Then it just kind of faded no, off. I mean, it, it definitely had its moments. But like when you look back and you kind of li- like when I was going through making the outline, I'm like remembering all the stuff that happened in each of the patches. I'm just like, oh, man. Yeah, but the problem is you're going, oh man, 2.x was way better. Yeah, I felt I felt that way too. It was the pacing. Yeah, Honestly. it was the pacing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah, that's true. There cuz there was definitely some just dead points in in the Heaven's Word line. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the weird part is that they got I feel like they got to the point faster in Heaven's Word, but that there was less once they got to the point. Yeah, like I was when I was going through 3.2 stuff, I sat there thinking like again upset fr- fresh and new that i'm like wait this was all that happened in mm-hmm. 3.2 yeah. what yeah because yeah, again when you look back at 2.0 and you're like reading each of these patch titles you like remember the progression of the story and it's like the same story going forward but then when you look at the 3.0 stuff go off this way do the warriors of darkness thing do this thing back here in God, the warriors of darkness just bother me they still to this day they bother me because i don't see the point there, there wasn't there, a point. Yeah. There was so much potential oh, maybe, too for that storyline. Maybe line. to write off Minfilia. Mm. Well, yeah, that's what they ended up using it for, yeah. is to get her out of the picture for good. Right. But like, there was so much potential for the idea of the Warriors of Darkness and how interesting that could have been. And they kind of tried to tap into it. They kind of approached that idea of, well, they're not really evil. It's just, you know, what is the truth in their world and what they've gone through and faced. And that's interesting, but not when you shoehorn it into one, like, set of, like, eight missions. Oh, also, yeah. uh, you know, Urianje is a traitor, but not really. Oh, man, the easiest, uh, easiest call in history. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I felt that they, on the 3.1 through what they currently have going, I felt like they branched too much off of the actual path they had laid lit. Like, when 2.0, 
it was you already kind of figured how their cycle was going as of like 2.1 through 2.2 it's literally here's a primal go put it down go to the next one but at least they put some substance in between there 3.0 happened oh we're just gonna go do fuck all and go all everywhere well, and again, that's kind of the point, though, with the 2.x line is the primals were built into the main story. So your MSQ was giving you a primal fight and your, you know, some of your raid content was the hard mode version of, right. that, of that primal fight. Right. So you're getting a lot out of your MSQ, whereas with 3.x, the most you get out of the MSQ is a dungeon. Right. And the, and the thing is, is that throughout the MSQ, we were never challenged on this in the same way that we were challenged with 2.0. Cause you're right. Like 2.0, they would throw primal fights at you, even if it was a normal or a hard mode primal fight, you know, and, and it wasn't that big of a challenge. It was more substantial than what they would, they've been giving us throughout heaven's word. Well, yeah, which the one thing that did challenge us, they nerfed it into the ground. Yeah. Exactly, uh, maybe maybe that's what the, what it was. Is it was a overreaction to the steps of faith, and how how it, you know poorly received that was by the community that made them sort of second guess some of the structure that they applied to Heaven's Word. Jeez, because, doesn't that feel like that was so long ago? Now? It does, and 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 the thing is though is that like I think the way that. You saw Alexander roll out and then the way that they reacted and readjusted to it after Alexander one through four, I think is a pretty prime example of Square Enix kind of overreacting to something. Now, in that case, it was good. Like what they did, you know, Midas was way better. Yeah, because Midas was better and they started to improve the rating from that point on. But I think that it exposed a couple of pieces of flawed thinking in the way that they approached Heaven's Word. And I I think that that was far more widespread than any of us even at the time were imagining that it would be. Um, the fact that o- the only new content that we got was relegated mostly to uh, Palace of the Dead and Diadem. Obviously, uh, you know, Deep Dungeon did very, very well and was, you know, ultimately well-received by the community and Diadem not so much. No. Uh, you know, I think I, if that, you know, like what ends up, I, I think that that's a problem. Like what ends up happening when, you know, when your content doesn't end up panning out, because look at what Square Enix did. They overreacted. And in one case, they were able to course correct. But in Diadem, they have it. Right. Like, I think DDM is sort of like you can see there the worst case scenario Mm. where they put something out that it didn't go very well. Instead of being able to expand it in a modular fashion moving forward, they reworked it, put it out again, still doesn't do it. I think that's the question is when you look at an event that fails, is it appropriate to try to fix it and go again? Or is it or you just say, you know what? We thought people would like this. They didn't. Let's move on to something else. See, that's the thing is like if Diadem had done well and they were able to expand it in small modular ways in expansions and patches over time, what would they have been able to put the development effort into towards the end of patch 3.5? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's a really valid question to ask because when when something is getting development time, that means something else is not getting development time. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I'll say I'll take it back to 11 just for a second. But think about Garrison. 
Garrison was objectively a failure of an event. No one did it at really any stage of FF11's development time. They didn't keep trying to make Garrison work. They moved on to something else. Make yeah. Garrison great again. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Mr. but Garrison. to be fair, too, there was a lot of, I think, positive reception to them trying something new with Diadem, right? And there were certain aspects of it. In sentiment, yeah, like in the abstract before we actually got the event, right. I think very people were very supportive well, well, of it. Well, even after it came out and people were like, ah, oh, this kind of sucks, there were still aspects of it that people liked. And I think that's what made Square Enix go, oh, let's try this again. Well, and they but got a, then they still completely they got into right. a really tough spot, and I mean we'll talk about this in a moment. But there was a long delay that DM underwent as it was being kind of fixed and perfected. So when it finally launched, we're like, well, this ha- you, you know you are taking a chance on this. You put a lot of time and effort into this. It needs to work, especially and when they didn't want to let it go when it failed. Just moving moving the lens a little bit away from uh, the comparative 2.0 versus 3.0. Um, do you guys think like the the Best accepted uh, theory right now is that Eureka is end up going to be fundamentally designed off of Diadem. Does Square Enix try to come up with something different now that Diadem 2.0 is not really that viable? Do do they start? Like, what do they do? Okay, if, if they are, the, if they are, if they are basing it off of Diadem, <clears throat> I, I think that if they did, they there's ways they can shift without having to like completely redo stuff from the ground up. All right, the two major flaws, as far as I'm aware, as far as Diadem go, that make it almost unplayable is the fact that a you go in there and you just have to sit there till you get what you want. That's mistake number one. Mistake number two is that there's nothing else that comes from there. Like, you can go and do the fates, but there's no reason to do them. There's not even anything that you that's worthwhile from the spoils. So if we're going into Eureka, and it's basically DM 2.0, so long as what we need isn't some fate or some emergency mission that happens randomly that we have no control over... Then I think it's going to get its uses. Okay. I, see, I look at that. If they go into uh, 4.0 and release another event based around fates in 4.0, I think you're going to have a lot of dissatisfied people. I think, yeah, that's the thing is that, Probably. you know, you can use Diadem as kind of like a model in the like it, behind the concept of like once you've cleared it, you get to go to different sections of it to do other things. I think right. that's cool. But if you build it around fates again, exactly. No, you can't use fates again. People, yeah. Because uh, immediately, and people, like us will be the first to do it we're gonna say oh good more of the same right exactly there will be no way you can spin another fates event it's got to be distinguished so if that's if that's what you're saying you're saying that there's no way that they could possibly pass off another reworked version of diadem uh you know for eureka face like it can be diadem esque like again i say i think the idea of emergency missions is actually a decent idea i think the idea of once you've cleared the main objective you get to go to other parts and do extra stuff i think that's cool but yeah it has to be something different than fates fair enough uh thank you very much for the call alto we appreciate it if you want to call limit break radio limit break radio on skype 810-515-8715 limitbreakradio.com slash discord we want to hear from you what do you think 2.0 versus 3.0 that's the subject of discussion here today um i i want to talk about uh you know we we've we've covered some of the supporting cast of characters uh i want to talk about uh some of the 
villains because the villains i think in a realm reborn were so much better than they were in heaven's word i was so underwhelmed by the idea of fighting nidhogg you know you're going up against a dragon horde okay great it feels like we've been fighting dragon hordes already for two expansions so another expansions another expansion of dragons yay great so there was mostly dragons that we were fighting in this one uh, versus a realm reborn, which had a really, inc- I think, incredible cast of uh, of antagonists. Yeah, where you know you had Nail. Nail was uh, was one of the big factors in uh, in FF14, a realm reborn. Um, you know, you had Black Wolf. Yeah, you uh, Lol, uh, Lolarito and mm-hmm. everything that was going on over in uh, Bastook. Um, Bastook. Oh, sorry. Man. Wow. Wow. Old, uh, Jesus. Well, let's, let's be fair. It's the same place. It is. It's the exact same place. Yeah. Just throwback. I I, I think know. what you see in the difference between the villains in 2.0 and 3.0 is the difference between knowing who your villain is and the surprise reveal villain yeah and in, in, in 2.0 you know who the bad guys are you know uh uh Sascravius and uh and the, the black wolf why is his name slipping in my mind I don't Gaius know. Gaius and Belsa thank you uh <laughs> yeah you know them throughout the entire story you get to see them doing their thing and like kind of putting you into this corner and forcing your actions. Right. Whereas in 3.0, well, uh, Thornton being the bad guy was, you know, the surprise reveal kind of at the end. And it's just like, we knew, but we, we all, knew that going to murder we, that Pope. Yeah, we knew that. We knew that as soon as you saw him with his big, stupid hat, that he was evil. Right. Especially knew, but the, he can't it was show so, us that he's it was evil so, until then. It was telegraphed even back into 2.0 because he had fucking. What was it? Not even the not Asian. a little bit. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the Asian, Asian that was yeah. hanging out with him. So we knew that he was already compromised. Right. Well, of course, we know he's going to be the bad guy, but we're not seeing him do evil things because they have to make it seem like he's not the bad guy until exactly. the reveal. Right. So it's like, okay, you're not building me up to want to kill this asshole. Exactly. Yeah, I think there was a couple of key narrative points that were not very well executed with Heaven's Word. After the scene in uh, in 2.0 where Ultima Weapon consumes Garuda and the other two primals, like I was kind of like... All right, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Like when you, when uh, Alfino and all you all go and convince uh, the Aorzean Alliance to go to war with Gridania or with uh, Garlemald and finally like take the fight to him. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go do this. Right. Whereas in 3.0, by the end of it, I'm like, all right, evil Pope. Right. Let's kill evil Pope. Right. Uh, do, is it, it does it feel any different now coming to a direct confrontation with Garlemald moving into Stormblood? Because no, I, I mean, that's the thing is that I felt like, I mean, I, I've been curious and interested in Garlemald now for like two expansions. And now that we're actually getting a little bit of payoff there, like I, I feel like they haven't they haven't they haven't done a good enough run up to it. Where I feel like properly hyped and ready for Garlemald or you know Xenos really. Well, again, I'm gonna once again have to out myself as a Garlean sympathizer. When's the last time Garlemald did something bad to you as a person, as a player? Uh, they said mean names to us up in the Sea of Sky. It was Gaius. Gaius was the last one. Yeah, it's been a long time since they've done anything objectively bad. Yeah, and and the ones it's, and, and the, recently they helped me. Uh, yeah, that's the thing is that yeah, much more recently we seem to be They're, we're kind of chummy with. Them. We're like, hey, you know what? Warring Triad sucks. We should probably stop that. Like, like when did Final Fantasy fourteen become Dragon Ball Z, where all of the people that you defeat end up becoming your friends? 
<laughs> when did that happen? Why uh, is that happening? The Garleans are our Vegeta. Just because they're friends now doesn't mean they're going to stay friends with Scalia. Not just, so, so go ahead and take them as allies, and then when they start throwing you in cages and turning your skin into a suit, don't come crying to us. Honestly, if there was, a, if we were building to a Sid double cross, I think that would maybe one of the most brilliant, <laughs> one of the most brilliant moves ever. Who would ever no. see that coming? I, that's the thing. No one. No one. No oh, one. The Sid is the betrayer. Wow. Yeah. Okay. How fancy is this okay. Okay, but they better be able to like go back and like finagle something and, and be like, look, look, the hints were always there, or else I would call BS. You on really that. need to do like yeah. that's the thing is that if you've got a fully fleshed out narrative and you know exactly where you're going, that's the that's the sort of narrative flair that you need to be putting into your games or your movies or whatever these days because people pick apart and dissect things mm-hmm. on a level like never before. Yeah, and stuff like that is so freaking cool. Sid with Xenosol. Long, <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, but I, I I liked our head cannon that we came up with last time. Where uh, you know the the question of uh, you know we we had found out definitively that Yida isn't Yida that right. that's actually Lise, her sister, who assumed the identity of uh, uh, of Yida around six years ago, which would have been around the time of the calamity. Yeah, people, I think we're in the chat. We're saying that Yida in 1.0 was Lise, yes. but any flashbacks. Of 1.0 yes. would have been Yida, Yida, Yida. I Yida, see. Yida. I, I, I still. I'm. I. I. I want to know why. Like, I want to know the evidence that people are are pointing to. Because I, I mean, yeah, when does I, anyone have an official timeline of where she assumed the identity? Yeah, because I, I mean, that's the question. Is that there's this just this vague reference back to oh, it happened yeah. six years yeah. ago during an operation? Because because right. as as a warrior of light, I think it makes sense that it happened sometime after we teleported because it's been six years, so we wouldn't necessarily have picked up on the fact that she well, that she acts differently. Uh, uh, we Louis transported us five years, and yeah, then we don't years, know sorry. we don't know within the time bubble of the MMO world uh, how much time has elapsed between. A realm reborn and heaven's word, and you know the timeline of events as they take place. Mm-hmm. So it is entirely possible. I think that I think that leaves the possibility open to Yida at some point in 1.0, as we knew her, may have been the original Yida. It may have been flashback. I don't know. I don't know exactly how this whole thing is panning out, but. The headcanon that we had come up with, the theory that we had come up with, that Xenos is actually the original Yida. Yeah, <laughs> is one is one that I personally love. But the thing is, is if that's what it is and we were able to call it, you know, before the expansion even hits. Exactly. Like if 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 that's what it is and and we accidentally stumbled on it and and just blew, you know, blew it wide open like Square Enix. Do they respond to that? Do they said, hold to what they've written? <laughs> we haven't been getting angry calls from Koji, so not, I don't know. Not, not even that. Yoshi's like in his office, and like Koji busts in and like throws something down on his desk, and he's like, "Limit Break Radio called it," and Yoshi's just like, "God." Damn it! And like throws his computer <laughs> off of the desk and everything. They un- yeah, they you, undo oh like months of work on cutscenes no. to change Guys, it. You know that 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 Hitler meme, right? Where he just like what? he sends everybody out of the room, then just starts going crazy on like his you know. Oh, the, oh, the movie. Yeah, the movie. They need that. <laughs> Someone needs to make that meme. Hey guys, you know that thing about Hitler? Wait, what? No, <laughs> record Got scratch. Your attention, didn't it? No, Remember I don't. That awesome what are you talking thing about? Did? The 
Hitler meme, yeah, where Yoship is uh, Hitler, and he found out that we uh, we uncovered their their Yida is Zeno's plotline. But but the thing is though, is that like uh, I and I had a real point that I was building to. I is fucking tons of it? derails, you assholes. Yes, I do remember it, but. If Square Enix is responding to player feedback on the level that they're adjusting their raids from one to the next to try to respond to feedback, are they doing the same on any kind of narrative level? No. No? This, you don't at, think you don't think that they're point. they're responding to sentiment like like maybe the no. Sultana was a may have been a different decision at one point. Depends no. on how far in advance they write these narratives for at it. At this yeah. point, four has been completely written. I don't know if everything's been voiced or not, but like the whole script from four to four point five, it's done. Yeah, so they they could po- possibly decide to change and edit things like pacing. But as far as like big plot lines go, if Xenos is Yida, that's it. She's Yida. She's Yida at yeah. this point. There's I, no changing. Well, it. right. Yeah. No, I know that. I think if SC was like responding on that level to like player feedback, I think the Sultana would still be dead because that was a pretty, I think, well received move. Yeah. I, I don't know, no, man. No, I don't know. Scions, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that to you. I think people were, like, there were a lot of people who were genuinely upset the Scions were killed. But the Sultana, I think most people were okay with it. They like that move. I just, I, I, I have to, uh, I have to wonder how much, how much Square, because we do know that Square Enix is quite active on the forums, mm-hmm. that they monitor a lot of player feedback, and that they've adjusted content to be able to, you know, uh, try to meet those player expectations. And I have to wonder that if, if any story decision ever has ever been impacted by player sentiment or by feedback or response to a plot line i would because i I, like honestly i don't understand how you get a narrative that's as tight and focused from two point from 2.0 to 2.5 and then you get one that's as unfocused and jumps all around as 3.0 to 3.5 without changing without changing some kind of staff element without changing a writer in there which we don't I, i i I don't think we we've been told about See, whether or not we have or not. Okay, you know what? Actually, I because I thought that 3.0 started out strong, right? But it's the way that it progressed that was terrible. And one of the sentiments, the critiques that we had of 2.0 was the way that that even though we did like the narrative overall, we did critique a lot that you know every once in a while I'd be like, all right, during this big giant thing that's happening, go do these little fetch quests for me. Yeah. Right. Right. One of the things that 3.0 did do was focus in on what was happening a lot more. It, it didn't really deviate a whole lot and make you feel like you were wasting your time right but as a result what we got was terrible pacing where it seemed like each patch needed to focus on a specific thing right so in that case they still kept their overall narrative whatever was written for 3.0 was written but the way that they presented it was maybe different yeah i'm i'm actually gonna cite the scholasticate for whatever's written is written in stone bullshit because it's not scholasticate they they had put that out and then never they revisited what like three fucking patches later but that was not according to plan and we know that for sure a side quest like that is less impactful of your overall story arc than the main story quest i'm just saying but look if if something as I would say, you know, significant as a side quest could get adjusted. I think that there are narrative beats that could get adjusted as well. And and if you don't think that Square Enix is adjusting for expectation, well, look at all of the evidence that proves otherwise. Yeah, adjusted is one thing, but like rewriting, like changing plot points, that's something else. 
I, in an MSQ. If, I, in in uh, like a side story like Scholasticate or Hildebrand, then yes, th- definitely I feel like they could probably change shit around. If Yida is Xenos and they wanted to try and change or readjust something, what I think the play from there would be is to try and red herring the shit out of us. I like, mean, like straight up, like give us like here, look, look, you guys found proof that Yida's dead. You found proof that Zeno isn't Yida. And then at the end, you know, once everyone's like accepted, okay, yeah, guys, I guess Yida really is dead. Oh, then bad. pulling that See, card. like I thought, see, now I think that Square Enix was building to a double cross with um, the 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 one chick that's in with in Lucia? good with Emmerich. Yeah, Am- uh, Lucia. Oh, really? And all they did was just like sort of like in a in a, yeah. d- a piece of dialogue go, oh, yeah, she's my sister. You know what I mean? Like that was that was really. Oh, the, yeah, that happened. That was really the only reveal that we got around that. But like. Do you, do you realize how much they like there was a ton of setup there and someone all literally they did was spin the camera at the right angle and and was able to see the jewel and then I feel like Square Enix felt like they needed you to know. respond to that and I'm just like no you know, don't fucking could, do that to yourself they could still use that as a double cross and it might even make more sense now going into Stormblood because I always thought that there was like something between Emmerich and her right or she might at least have feelings for him but now that he's been getting close Closer to Yugiri, she could feel jealous in some way, and that could push her towards uh, a double cross. That would no. be weak. I'd be so if, I don't, I don't if this character betrays Amrit so because he's got eyes for another girl, that is the oh worst writing of female character I've ever Seriously, seen. Seriously, yeah, you should go now. If you want to write it as a double cross, you Ugh. write it as now that you're turning your attention towards war with Garlemald. Now she's not so into fighting for uh Okay. Aimer. But no, she she like totally like renounced Garlemald yeah. in the whatever storyline. Well renouncing so. Garlemald like like Ish going to Ishgard, you're gonna have to fight dragons, and that's what you signed up for. Now you're part of the Aorzian Alliance and they're getting ready to go to say, war with Garlemald. Going to war with your former home is a lot different than saying I'm not going there defending, anymore. Defending defending your new home against your former home is one thing. Waging war on them, that is a completely different thing. Yeah, there could there could legitimately be a point where you know the Aorzian Alliance does something terrible and her conscience kicks in and she you know there's a double cross and I don't yeah. know but I mean like I feel like that was a wasted you know that was a that was wasted yeah like a, 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 and and the thing is is that we only had that one screenshot of that one guy who like spun <laughs> his camera right and found it out and it's like, dude, you like it, it felt like such a waste. Anyway, let's go back to our phone lines. Uh, let's talk to Narnan Zart of Odin. What's up, Narnan? Hello, everyone. Good evening. What's up? Good evening. Uh, so I wanted to talk about so from one point one one point zero to three point zero. Uh, just to give some context, we can talk about uh, the site uh, stuff like Coil, uh, Crystal Tower, etc. Or are we fucking so only on the main story? Say what? Uh, sorry, uh, we can uh, talk about the whole the whole package uh, or just the main story. Oh uh, no! The, and really, we're doing uh, you know the full comparison, not just the main story. Yeah, so if you have something outside of the main story that you'd like to draw comparison to, by all means, go ahead. Okay, so uh, let's take Gaius, which uh, in one point Gaius and 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 L, but more Gaius, he felt really really intimidating, threatening. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
um, I think he lost a lot of that. Uh, at the only at the only time in two point zero when that happened um, uh, was during the ultima when the ultima weapon uh, show up, and I think outside of that he lost a lot of his intimidating and that's where i think uh, yoshi pit uh, team dropped the ball a bit and uh, maybe it's because of budgets uh, because during comparisons from 1.0 or 1.13 i believe what was the first patch with yoshi p to 2.0 and then to 3.0 we have to take uh, a bit of context, which is 1.0 was a fail game that was trying to recover. 2.0 was a remake, but they had to use a lot of assets and lore from 1.0. So whatever was broken on 1.0 happened to be broken on 2.0. And they did that with, I believe, three years of development and a really small budget. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And then on 3.0, we finally have uh, an okay badge, uh, budget uh, and uh, a totally new direction under Yoshi P without undermining his authority or his vision using previous content from another um, director. If you want to draw a good comparison between these three type of lines, just look at Final Fantasy 15 and the, the whole debacle event with Nomura then with Anyway, uh, continue along. You know, that's, I think <laughs> that's a really good point. I is, actually never yeah. really kind of thought about that. That, yeah, what came out of 2.0 wasn't something that, that Yoship was able to completely draw up all on his own. He did have to base what was happening on existing, you know, story and elements from 1.0. Whereas with Heaven's Ward, even though Nana, you've said in the, in the past, that that's kind of like where we had to go, you know, where everything's been set up. That was our destination, but what happened there, that was all on Yoshi P. Now, I'm a big believer in restrictions breed creativity, that you do your best work when there's someone going, yeah, but, you know, like... You need to you need to uh, either either whatever the the equipment that you have is up to par. So you've got to find a creative way to dance around it or the medium that you're using has some restrictions. So you've got to find a way to be clever around it. Mm -hmm. I think that those moments for people who are who are truly creative and who are masters of their craft, that that is when the real rubber meets the road and the the real work begins for creative people and and that some of the best stuff comes out of a very restrictive mm -hmm. environment where you're either trying to subvert those restrictions work around them or work within them whatever that is you've got something you've got a force to play against yeah and i think that that's that's kind of important and if yoshi p was constantly being curbed by you know, redirecting to old lore and things like that. I think that it served him pretty well at Absolutely. that point. Absolutely. Uh, for for me, this is going to seem like uh, like a weird place to go, but I both hate and love time travel movies because they're either the most boring, stupid piece of garbage ever. See the Flash. Or people are able to do such interesting things with them that you don't see the full picture until it all comes together. See Twelve Monkeys. That it's amazing. And I think in this case, yeah, what he had with 2.0, because he had to use certain elements of it and he had to craft a narrative around that, what ended up coming out of it was pretty fucking strong. Yeah, no, I agree. 
I, I definitely agree, especially when you stack it up, you know, something like Binding Coil of Bahamut that was not just interesting to 1.0 players, but was fascinating and encouraged 2.0 players, people coming in fresh to 2.0, to take a look at some of the pre-existing lore. So Binding Coil w- delivered on, on almost every single level. And then you compare that up against uh, the uh, Alexander fights that did none of that narratively did none of that um, y- you know it, it just it doesn't even begin to compare all right all right so now I'm gonna I'm gonna worry everybody so <laughs> does this mean that when Yoshi P is left up to his own devices narratively he falls short which means that what's coming in Stormblood is gonna be even are we gonna worse? have another repeat of Heaven's Ward storytelling I don't think I don't think that's how it will work because um, so Yoshi P has a, a bigger budget, a budget which means uh, it's not Yoshi P who is writing the story. It's not like Nier and well, Yoko right. Taro who, who is writing this, uh, the story. He just approves of it and then Ko- Koji j- does the lore check, I believe. Right, I well, I mean, it's still works. obviously, it's still under her, his purview. You know, he still has direction over everything. Yeah, he signs off uh, at, at the end, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's in the meetings, and he is the one who decides what goes in and what uh, gets cut, of course. Now, uh, what Aniru said, I believe it's true for some type of, type of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, not everyone. But And the Coil story, we I think we all agree in the community that the Coil story is the best storyline in the whole game from 1.0 to 3.56. I believe so. That's my belief, but I think many would agree. I, I, I'm not... Math storyline. I'm not totally sure if it's the best, because there was some great msq moments like i i think if you're comparing binding coil of bahamut up against the msq moment for moment the msq ends up edging out um uh, a moment for moment sure especially on on the first coil yeah but uh i would i am taking it overall yeah uh, i mean binding moment- coil had some great payoffs especially for 1.0 players yeah the, yeah the moment you see nail it's it's amazing and the cutscene finally having the full so i'm a 1.0 sort of player i on and off you fought the marmots uh i i fought uh some things i mostly just log in because i wanted the legacy status okay so you're, uh, you're with juxta then yeah more or less uh, <laughs> i did i did it. manage i did manage to to be there when Dalamud fall off and when the GMs uh, just went crazy. I didn't get to Coerters because the server was too unstable and I couldn't move. But I was in Ulda when they spawn like a fuck ton of, of, of Malboros. Yeah, that was, oh man, that was oh, fun. Wow. I loved, I but, loved that event. That was crazy. By the way, if I you love are not sure, this. in 2.0, Malboros are just a, a run of the mill mob, but during 1.0, Malboros would be the, the, the equivalent to Alexander or, or to Bahamas. So that's let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this then, because uh, bringing this to my attention, because again, this is something that I never really even kind of picked up on. So since we think that he was kind of restricted by the stories that were told in 1.0 to kind of determine what direction 2.0 had to go in, and I, I guess we're under the assumption then that he had more freedom with what stories he wanted to tell in Heaven's Ward. And again, the pacing was kind of all off. 
and overall not that great. Going into Stormblood, I kind of see it as the same thing. He sort of has, obviously, yeah, we know a direction and, and where things are going, but he's not being restricted by anything. So why should we have any hope that Stormblood is going to be better than Heaven's War? Or even different. Uh, I think there that, you go. Even uh, different. Not, not even better. But let's let's just say that it's going to be any different from Heaven's Word. I don't, I don't think that any of that expectation has been set out for any of us as audience members. Well, that depends on something we'll never see, which is the um, the talks between the management, uh, the the management, the PR staff, and the the development team uh, who is headed by Yoshi P and aided by the his various editors. Which what does this mean? Because he has more man, uh, money from the uh, the management, he can hire better people like. The um, the guy from the guy who's doing the Ivalice, uh storyline, the the, the guy from Shin, Shin, Shin Megamin Tensei, uh, do, the developer who who does the designs, etc. And uh, that more more money is an equivalent a better game, but it equivalents to the um, a better potential. I, I mean, I, ag- I I agree with the assessment that there is more potential, the more talent that you end up bringing on. Um, it, it just, I mean, I guess I I never considered that. Yeah, like bringing the FF12 guy, or the Shin Mikami Tensei guy, that 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 comes with a fairly high price tag. Each of those guys comes with a fairly high price tag. Not to mention, if you think about some of the language that's been used in the past, the way that they do their story is, I think that inside they're very compartmentalized. Because remember when. Uh, uh, people were ranting about the Dark Knight story, right? right? And they're like, we want those guys to do more stuff. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll put them on more stuff. But there have been times in interviews where the way that he's talked seems like they specifically have like, all right, you guys do the Beastmen. You guys do these quests. And so everything just seems very, very compartmentalized on the inside. And I think that at least with Heaven's Ward, that was not to their benefit. Yeah, I I, I mean, especially from a narrative point of view. Yeah, because everything did feel really all over the place. Um, also, also, don't don't forget that the teams that were uh, lent to Final Fantasy XV, I believe they have come back. I'm not sure about this, but yeah, I sure believe they're they not have working come back. on FF Seven or Kingdom Hearts Three because they're working FF7, on Kingdom Hearts maybe. Three. They're lost uh, to Kingdom the Hearts. <laughs> uh, Kingdom Hearts, yeah, I don't believe so. But <laughs> FF Seven, sure, because we haven't seen much about Kingdom Hearts Three outside of the tech demo, which was Birth I Sleep something something something, the prologue. <laughs> Uh, uh, but we have seen in-game screenshots of FF7 by Nomura. Yeah. The problem is Nomura is a dump of cash and a, dev- a dump of time. Uh, he is probably a genius, but uh, he's a uh, he, he Kojima is like the the middle term of the of the mad of the mad genius. Nomura goes a bit fa- further. Yeah, you know it's because it, the thing is is that Nomura's got so many ideas that it prevents him from doing work. <laughs> uh, that's that's really that's the pro- no way I, to funnel it out. I, I mean, honestly, like if you look at what happened with Eva Fifteen and what's continuing to happen with Kingdom Hearts and really anything any project that he's attached to, it's like he's so ambitious that what he lays out is unreasonable for any development team to to accomplish in a reasonable amount of time ah star the, citizen the, the, the syndrome go, go ahead we can touch that oh. uh, on another time but um <laughs> the there's another point which is um 
the Square Enix team and like Konami and so Sony probably just says to Kojima, how much do you need? Okay, here you go. Uh, but um, Konami would put the, the brakes on Kojima, right? Square Enix, the brakes they put on Nomura is like, okay, then do the tech demo and we just bundle a bunch of games and we sell that at full price. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, different different approaches, but you, uh, I think you're right. I, I mean, I definitely, I think, I think what you're saying uh, definitely has some yeah, but, has some validity to it. But going back to Final Fantasy fourteen, so um, what I feel from just like wrapping up, uh, so you guys can uh, tell me to shut up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, on a Realm Reborn, we had yes, we had contrast. But uh, remember that Yoshi P came came into uh, the, he didn't come to a Realm Reborn. He came to one point zero right. to make it better. Right, and then he decided. He told the Square Enix management that he wasn't able to do it. He had to do a new game because the engine was fucked up. The engine would run badly on a computer, a Max computer, three 3K computer right. today. Right. Imagine back in 2010. Oh, yeah. I, I remember the grill that it almost turned my computer into. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I could fry an egg on the on the heat that was coming off the CPU alone. And even beyond be that, the server, the server architecture was a nightmare. Oh, it was. Yeah, everything was uh, server and side. And the copy paste, uh, the waffle map, black shrouds. Yeah. The 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 navigating that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he he came in, which I believe was 1.13. I'm not sure about this. The first patch was 1.13. Why is 1.13 and not 1.1? Don't ask me. Oh, I think, that, I think they, gave, they gave Tanaka enough rope to hang himself with, is I think what it was. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I, I, I cannot believe someone didn't go up to him and tell that the fatigue system is the stupidest idea ever. Yeah. How no. that? But anyway, FF uh, f- uh, thirteen uh, whole storyline. I, I know people sometimes love it, but three games. Uh, how that got to prove? Yeah. It's beyond me. Yeah, anyway. I, don't, I don't get it either. Anyway, uh, uh, n- but n- yeah, Narnia. Listen, you're gonna have to shut the fuck up because <laughs> we got to move on here. No, I'm, that's fine, that's I'm, ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I think I think I totally uh, totally understand your point that you know Yoshi P originally was sort of brought in on damage control for 1.0, which is which was a hurt and limping game at that point and told to bring it up to bring it up to shape and bring it up to par. And, you know, he it was it was really him that necessitated the jump up to 2.0. But at the same time, and I understand, you know, working within a structure, a pre-existing structure is difficult. And I also I'm always going to defend that restriction breeds creativity. But I, I also think that Yoshi P has worked himself into a definitive pattern. And I think he's got very comfortable in that pattern. The pattern of content that comes out with each patch is very comfortable to him. It's very consumable for us as an audience. You know what I mean? It's easy for us to wrap our heads around that development schedule and the set of expectations that we have per patch is pretty set from one to the other and to deviate from that is a little scary 
And I think that's what that's what Yoshi P's primary concern is, is that to deviate from that, then you've got to come up with something new. And I, I don't know if it's, you know, if it's that he doesn't have enough restrictions now that he's been able to make a game that's as malleable as as the team wants it to be. You know, to the point where they can ostensibly add swimming and blitzball and flying and all of this other snowboarding. Yeah. And all of this other shit that they just want to add for funsies. And maybe they're overwhelmed. Maybe they're, um, you know, maybe maybe they're, uh, you know, second guessing some of their decisions when it comes to moving the needle forward. And instead, they're playing it safe and going with what we already know. Which I mean, isn't doing much for anybody right now. I, I no, I think it's keeping them in a stalled state that is, sl- uh, you know, with a player base that's slowly tempering well, off. You know, I used to play poker a lot with my dad, and one thing he always told me is like, as soon as you've gotten enough money, where you're, you start getting afraid to lose it, it's time to get up. Yeah, you can't keep playing safely and just hoping not to lose the money you have. That's a great point. That's a really great point. And I think that that's, you know, that there's a lot of wisdom that as soon as you're afraid to lose what you have, what you have, you start playing differently. Yeah. I, I mean, that, you know, we've talked about that process when we were an FF11 show of, you know, once we once we found out that we had, you know, tens of thousands of people downloading the show and and paying attention to what we were saying, we started to pay too much attention to the things that we were saying Mm -hmm. and we started to second guess it and we started to psych ourselves out and that's really i think that that undermines your goal of delivering whatever the product was in the first place you know like that's one of the things where i'm i'm really big in not getting set or thrown into a pattern because i'm i'm i am uh, you know uh, uh, from a personal level my personality i'm a creature of habit I try to set up as many things as I can in my own, you know, work life to be modular and to, you know, you just move this thing out and put this thing in and boom, you're done. And in a lot of ways, it's very helpful to me because I don't have to spend as much time crafting literally everything. But it, there's a trade off to that as well. There's a trade off to that at the same time. And I think as soon as you're afraid to start doing the fundamentals of what you do. Cause I think, you know, when, when we look at the fundamental of what is, what is limit break radio, we're an entertainment show. We've always said that we're not an information show. Despite however many people want us to be an information show or, or put that expectation on us. That's something that we recognize is not, our, our goal or something that we've wanted to get out of doing the show. And that's something we need to be good at. And and we we've rejected that. And you can reject, you know, there are some of these expectations that you can reasonably push back against and reject. But I think as an MMO developer, there are like there's not that many that you can push back on. Like the fact that we get about the same level of content with each patch. That's something that you can push back on. Mm -hmm. But the idea that the content treadmill is getting stale or that the, um, you know, the, the reward structure is not, uh, not as good as it could be. Those are pointed piece of pieces of criticism instead of just saying, well, the game is blanketly bad. I don't think we've ever opened up the mic and said that Mm -mm. we've offered very specific pointed criticism on parts that we find frustrating about this game. 
And, you know, people sometimes do that in reverse for the show. But, uh, you know, they're wrong. Uh, uh, no, they're no, not. not they're, they're we not always wrong. take those criticisms and like, OK, you know what? If that's what you think, we can see where that's coming from. And you're entitled to that. But what we're doing is specifically what we're going for, right? Right. So if Square Enix came back and they're like, look, this is the reason that we're staying with the tome reward structure that comes out every other patch. Boom. All right. You know what? Cool, Square Enix. We don't agree with it. But if you have a reasoning behind well, they, it. They do have a reason. I mean, And they've said this multiple times is that they don't want to create a hardcore only game. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. And I understand the point of Tome Gear. I understand the point of a Tome Treadmill. I understand all of those things for a casual audience. That's fine. But I think that you can take a two tiered approach that doesn't just funnel your your more dedicated player base into rating. And that's it. That's the only thing that you have. And that's it. I agree. Or EX primals. Those the those are like ostensibly the only two things is you've got rating and EX primals. And I mean, I appreciate the fact that they've tried to, you know, branch out with things like Diadem and things like, uh, you know, Palace of the Dead. But I think that what we've heard from the player base is that, you know, that with with how modular things like dungeons are, especially hard mode dungeons that seem to just be, uh, uh, you know, a uh, reorganization of, of assets sometimes that. You know, the the work needed to be put in towards these types of events, probably there needs to probably be more. And, you know, to Narnon's point, uh, and by the way, thank you for the call, Narnon. We appreciate it. Uh, to Narnon's point, you know, they do have an increased budget. Um, and but as you've pointed out in a previous show, we have no idea what that means and where that budget is necessarily going. I, I, man, Narnon really kind of connected a, a dot right there. Like the FF12 guide, that's gonna that oh, is gonna God. eat up at least some that's, of your budget. That's so terrible, considering you have such a big big budget, and we could even be seeing less content per patch than we were in Heaven's War. Stop. My heart can't handle it. <laughs> Don't say that. But and that's and I'm that, not and wrong, but am I? Here's the thing, though: is like how much more of a slide are we willing to accept moving I'm forward? Not. That okay. So, so do you think that Square Enix has to? They've literally hit the lowest acceptable uh, standard that they can hit, and, and and do they have to raise the stakes and go back up to three dungeons per patch and 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 stuff like that? Like, what what does Square Enix, from a reasonable standpoint, do at this point to be able to address some of these concerns that we have? First of all, if they dip lower, like I'm out. If they come out with a patch where it's like one dungeon per patch, the or, end. or they stop doing dungeons. Like, that's it. I'd be out. Now, they don't necessarily have to start doing three dungeons again, but I need to start seeing more content, right? Whether that means more cutscenes, because in Heaven's Ward, we got, what, five cutscenes in this last patch? We got, I think Nate, or Anira, I think you did them in under an hour, didn't you? Like, uh, yeah, like, like an hour 45 and a half. minutes. Yeah. What happened to... Strap in, guys, because you're about to see a bunch of cutscenes with no end or break in sight, so make sure you got your popcorn ready, right? Like, I just need to see more stuff. And the fact that you're like, that, that they're like, all right, look, we 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 did too much, okay? We, we can't feasibly give you that much content. Uh, you did. You actually did do it, okay? And whether you overworked yourself or not, all right, perception is reality. And if it seems to us like you're giving us less, in our eyes, you're giving us less, and that will drive customers away. The thing is, is while while they say that, 
each one of us is giving them at minimum $12 a month. Right? Like I, I like how you have to specify the minimum for me. <laughs> well, he's true. I think I'm paying 20. But 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 like seriously, like let's think about that. Like, you know, for all for all the expectation that's that gets put on us for this show, right? Mm-hmm. And to be fair, we have a subscriber base. So we've got to be able to keep them happy, right? Yeah. For all the work that we do on this show and for Final Encounter Cast and for now Checkpoint as well, there's a lot of that work that goes on gratis. Yeah. You know, that we go uncompensated. And, you know, when you when you consider the amount of slide that's happened in FF14 as a product and you look at a product that, that we're, you know, like you compare that against your own work ethic, right? Like whatever you do at work, I'm just comparing it against my own mm-hmm. work ethic right now, right? Like I'm scrapping and, 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 and you know, just barely getting by and doing checkpoint for no money, doing ostensibly double the amount of work that I do for limit break radio, just you know, times that by two and put that on checkpoint, right? No money, no compensation. Not not to mention when you have a final fantasy title, especially one that did so well relaunching as a Realm Reborn, all right? When you have Square Enix money to tap into, if you're putting out a product that you're like, "Oh shit, you know what? We are overworking ourselves. We can't actually put out this much content as we are now. We have to cut back." No. That's the wrong way to go about this. You then go to your bosses and you're like, "Look, if we're going to keep this up, we need more resources." That's the proper way to do it. Or okay? I mean, like if you if you're getting increased budgets, then you can either afford to compensate your staff for what you think they're putting out and then hold them to that same standard of of quality work or you hire in new people to help with the workload. Mhm. Yeah, see, look, everyone everyone in our chat is echoing the, look, we're okay with less dungeons or whatever, so long as we are getting someplace else more content. Right. You can't just keep cutting cutscenes from MSQ or cutting dungeons and think that, oh, well, we're overworking ourselves is an acceptable excuse because it's not. Because we are progressively giving you more money, be it through more retainers, be it through more cash stop, cash shop stuff that you're putting out. Yeah. Like, come on. Well, and Yoshi, Aniro, get it into gear, man. Aniro, you asked, is Heaven's Ward, you know, is this the low point that you're willing to accept? Can it knock any worse? No, it's below the low point that I'm willing to accept. Really? If I weren't doing this show, I'm gone. Hmm. Like, yeah, it's mm. like, it, like Stormblood has to be better than Heaven's Ward. The only thing yeah. keeping me right now is MSQ. Like, if Stormblood mm. comes out and it's not better than Heaven's Ward, I will do the MSQ and then I will unsubscribe and I will wait for the next MSQ. Yeah, you have to, like, wow syndrome. Yeah, Storm- not, I'm not even doing that for wow right now. Well, but no, but I mean, like, but it's getting there. Yeah, it's getting there. And, and I think that that was, you know, when, when, uh, around the time when people were projecting what they wanted from FF14 when it was still, you know, very much a concept. I think that when people said they don't want another WoW clone, that this is the the type of content treadmill that they were talking about. You know, like the structure of having a, uh, you know, a hot bar MMO is not the worst thing. But when you roll out your content in the exact same way over and over and over again, yeah, that does get old. 
Mm-hmm. That definitely gets old. I don't like that we're able to predict what's going to come in the patch. Like, I don't like that we're going to say, okay, well, we're going to get the next stage of Warring Triad this time and the next stage of the raid. And the thing is, is that we were dead on right the whole time. You know, like, uh, the only two curveballs that we got the entirety of Heaven's Word was Palace of the Dead and Diadem. And DM curved so oh, far over. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm, Lords of Verminion. I'm overlooking Lords of Verminion. Ugh. Yeah, and Aquapolis. Aquapolis? Yeah. <laughs> Love Aquapolis. Oh, Lords of Verminion. Oh, goodness. Let's go back to our phone lines and talk to uh, Michael Everintil of Midgar Summer. What's up, Michael? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for calling Limit Break Radio. What's going up? Going bad, Mike. We're all dejected over here. We're all sad. Oh, I'm sorry. Cheer us up. 3.56 got you like that, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It'll do that. A little bet. Michael, your voice is charming. Would you, st- would you stop coming on to our guests, yeah, please? Stop, don't, don't hit on our callers. God, I, I don't slut. say it to everyone. I'm you just saying, what? his voice is, is lovely. I don't even hit on guests when they call in. Yeah, you should do that more. Only... Well, they're all dudes. Hey, Michael, how you doing? Chuck's to oh, stop it. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? You don't have... <laughs> hey, Michael, so just, so just a you, you come, have you come to, here often. <laughs> I, I come here a lot, actually. I haven't seen every you Sunday, around, though. Every Sunday? Yeah, pretty much. Michael's so, my replacement, Ethos. Like, he's, like, like, like next tier down from Ethos. Uh, you know what? Wow, Michael, what and, a compliment! Yeah, in my oh. heart, you're above Ethos, Michael. Fair, no, wow. no, one's, no one's above Ethos. Just, uh, just a side, side question. Right, you know what? <laughs> Michael's not jerking anyone off today. Im- important question, uh, Michael. Uh, earlier in the show, we had a LBR poll oh about who God. was uh, the hottest LBR person. Who'd you who'd you vote for? Um. Bro and Nero. Oh yeah, that's oh, what's uh, up, Michael. I'm sorry, we're getting Dude, some. Daddy, uh, daddy, some uh, uh, oh no, oh we lost the call, Michael. I'm so sorry. No, so sorry. just kidding. You're back. <laughs> no, you anyway. I'm uh, sorry. No, uh, no, 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 no. Don't apo- Do not apologize for that. You don't have to apologize for that at all, uh, Michael. What do you want to talk about today? Um, in regards to the 3.56 story, I it went downhill pretty pretty darn fast and heaven's word overall was kind of all over the place with the warriors of darkness as well as the dragon song war but what would you guys individually would have liked to have seen in 3.55 3.56 to kind of lead in to alamigo in a much better way so are you talking more fulfilling are you talking in like a narrative sense or like content wise yeah, yeah, narratively. Okay, narratively, a better lead in to going to Alamigo. And I mean, you know, cuz cuz authored, we didn't know that we were going to be going to Authored or Doma, and I think Alamigo is really sort of the only the only fair way to really look at the way that you're brought in to Stormblood as an expansion from a narrative point of view because either way, you know, like the way that they're that they're pushing into Doma is the dumbest, weebiest thing anyway, and is probably the most creatively bankrupt decision that they've done narratively. How are we getting into Doma again? Uh, through Gosetsu. That's it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's all we know is go, that. Gosetsu and, uh, and, and Yugiri. And Yugiri, yeah, that's it. He came back to get Yugiri, and she's like, well, I gotta help my bros, because they helped us out. And Did you just not play the last well, I'm patch? I'm making sure I didn't, I didn't like, forget anything. Well, no, cause... technically, in what we saw, nobody was like, all right, let's go to Doma now, guys. Okay, just But obviously, sure. we'll go to Doma 
with Yugiri and Gosetsu, right. probably to secure some type of alliance right. or something. Right. Okay. So so knowing that, what do you think would be a better setup than Yida Lease, sorry, than Lease uh and and uh you know the the okay, Ilbert and uh the other guy, you know, like pushing their their <coughs> their struggle forward. Like uh, the way that everything ended up uh, unveiling itself with Ilbert and having the two dragon eyes, like rewind from that. Right. What would be the setup bringing us into Alamigo that you would think would be the most interesting? A Doman assassin murders Merweb. Really? A Doman assassin? Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just a Garlean assassin? Garlean assassin just, would make just more sense. someone murdering Merweb. Nika's not even here to take that blow. I know, right? I, I, I just want Rose to die. Okay, here's what I think. I think that what they did, everything that they had on paper was fine. You know, all the beats, you know, Ilbert, uh, Tricking people into starting this war, the whole Pop Limo thing, uh, Shinru, whatever, being born out of it, like like all that's fine. It's just the execution is what bothered me, right? What I think would have been better is let's say that there is this big super weapon that that we're wondering or theorizing that Garly that that, that Garlemald might have, right? I think there was enough time between when that giant thing formed. And when the battle between Shinra and Omega happened, that they could have either brought that super weapon or aimed that super weapon towards it. And I think what would have been cool that would have, I think, been a little bit more compelling is if Garlemald would have used that super weapon on Shinru and Omega, like in the middle of their fight, some of the super weapons coming out of nowhere, seemingly, quote unquote, wipes them out instead of just the stupid beam struggle that they have. That would have also wrecked havoc on part of Gridania. That would have been what pushed us into the war. It's like, okay, yeah, we're going to be saving Alamigo, but Garlemald technically also has uh, attacked and now shed blood on Gridania. That pushes us into it more than just us being like, all right, well, I guess Ilbert has forced our hand and we have to go and do it now. Right. Uh, I want to address a, a comment that Burning Skull left in the chat. Anyone called to tell him that Xenos is the son of the current emperor and can't be Yida? Yeah, because Yida turned out to be Yida. Yeah, one character like they haven't done character misdirection before. In fact, that may be the only compelling plot line that they've been able to pull off in the last like four patches. Truth. You know what I mean? Like, like, honestly, we've had this like, oh, who is it? You know, like, dude, even with the Warriors of Light and uh, fucking Yuri Anjay, you had that. I mean, they're doing that over and over and over again. Maybe I'm just asking for them to do it good once. Just once, please. Um, I think what I would have preferred as a setup to move towards Alamigo is I would have liked to see something tangible happen to uh, uh, Eastern Gridania's uh, Eastern Shroud's map. Yeah, like like just the direct area around Balser's wall where they had some kind of graphic change that, you know, either there was, you know, a bit that big beam fight ended up wiping out a portion of Balesar's wall. But like something was definitively different about the zone so once it, you so com- it, once it, you completed the MSQ so that it left its mark on Eorzea. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. I, yes. I think both of those ideas could have worked very, very well. And the, and the thing is, is that like I I am big on permanent changes, right? Like one of the things that we've said over and over and over again, and one of the things that's remained a constant good between both 2.0 and 3.0 has been watching the 
growth of places like Idleshire and yes, Revenant's Toll. Because especially going forward into the game, yes. as new players come in, or even as old players go by that area, you see it, and it now becomes a piece of lore. That's hey, right. That was when Omega fought Shinryu and fucked shit up. Exactly, that yeah. That happened. That's, that's, I think, what I would have liked to see is a much more permanent, tangible mark on the world. You know, Grant, and the thing is, is that Balesar's Wall, once you complete that dungeon, you have no reason to ever go to that portion of the map. Like, ostensibly, that's going to be the way that you go. There's a fade over there. That, that you go toward, you know, you push towards the Alamigo zones. There's probably going to be a zone line there moving forward, but why not score that portion of the zone where there's nothing going on. Make a giant crater or something. Yes! I mean, it can be something as simple as that, but something <gasps> that... pieces me- of the, uh, of the, the, you know, the big thing that he was trapped in yeah. on the ground, and yeah. if you go up and look closely enough, there's a pair of broken spectacles on the ground. Oh... That would have been cool. Well, that would have been a nice touch. The first person to find those, man. We just spent all episode talking about That's that. That's true, yeah. I just And they would have cried. I don't like that it ended up with us controlling Balesar's wall. I think it would have been like far more interesting narratively for the Garleans to show up at the end of that storyline with their full army like, "Hey, Give us our fucking wall back. They take that area, and now there's maybe some fates in that zone with, like, level 60 Garlean fates oh, until the next expansion. That might be really cool. Because they're trying to maintain that area while they rebuild the wall. Hell yeah. And then the beginning of... Uh, Stormblood is us marching through there. That's, I think that's a really interesting point. I like that idea. I like that idea of having some kind of reflection of the change that's been happening there and doing it through fates. Yeah. That's a great... That's as much as like, I hate them using fates, that's a good use of it. But that's, that's the thing is that their use of fates has been so random mm-hmm. and poor that this would be actually a good use and application for them. And of course, no, we're not going to get anything like that. I think that. I mentioned it on an episode prior where... I would have loved for them to do an event where Garly, uh, Garlemald has a preemptive strike on Gridania, and you do like a fate or a duty inside of Gridania. Oh, that would be so cool. Garlean invaders. That would be cool. That'd be amazing. And it would get me mad at Garlemald. Like, get the hell out of my city. Yeah. It's uh, just Gridania. Thanks for the call, Michael. We appreciate it. Uh, Juxta, what would you have changed about moving? Oh. SE should have let Yoshi P bring an FF11 dev team in and have them make it hard again and not hey we want a fest for? No, no, they should not have brought no. in the FF11 development no, team. No, that is not what you want. <laughs> those two guys, those two guys are doing just fine on their own. Okay, they they have to make more ambuscade. They're uh, busy. Honestly, guys. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I think that they had poached most of the good parts of the FF11 team when they, you know, formed the FF14 team. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that there was a whole lot of talent that was still set, sitting around in those offices. That that has got to be unless you really like things like Abyssia and Ambuscade and Skirmish, which I don't know why you would. The FF11 like development office right now that has got to be a lonely place, a lonely uh, closet. You mean? <laughs> so one can you guy imagine there on his server can computer? You, yeah, can you imagine what the servers look like for that? I'm sure dusty. It, I'm sure it's an old, you know, like probably a weird neon color iMac. Yeah, got Lakshmi written on the side of it. There you go. I'm actually picturing one of those old Western outhouses with like the wooden doors and the little moon <laughs> shape to see people. No, inside. they've they've actually they've actually got a database computer that takes up three rooms, but it's like tape based. <laughs> right, they got big reel to reel tapes on them. That's why it takes me so long to zone. That's right. It's got to load off of the magnetic tape, dude. 
Jesus. Uh, if, t- if, by the way, Michael, thanks for the call. If you want to call uh, Limit Break Radio, Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715, LimitBreakRadio.com slash Discord. Let's go back to our phone lines, because apparently we got like five callers hanging let's on. Let's do it. Uh, let's go back to our phone lines and talk to Paul Bunyan. What's up, Paul? Gentlemen, it is a pleasure as always. Thanks for giving uh, Limit Break Radio a little jingle jingle. He's pretty enthusiastic. You want to hit on him, Escalia? No, he's fine. We've already talked to him. That yeah, must. I'm sorry, boys. I'm wow. taking that. That that must make you feel sad, Paul. There, you that know like you're not good enough. No, he turned them down anyway. They're not good enough for him. You be <laughs> you, Paul. It's sort of like when you watch a coworker get sexually harassed for like a period of three months. At first, you're like, "Boy, I'm really glad that's not me." And then after about the second month, you start going, "Well, why am I not good enough?" <laughs> How come he doesn't want my dick? That's right. Anyway, Paul, what's going on? Uh, Not a whole lot, guys. Just spending my afternoon here. Um, Anyway, I want to dispute something that uh, Narnan spoke with you guys about earlier. Okay. uh, To start off with, um, about how Yoshida had uh, his story chains taken off uh, with Heavensward. I don't think that's true because he always felt like he was saddled with uh, with Ishgard as our next viable destination. Uh, after sure. I actually, you know what? That's that's an interesting point because I do remember that quote where he did feel like he was saddled with uh, with Ishgard. But I, I mean, uh, you know, Narnon seemed to be pretty well educated in the yeah. in the you know the well, arc of the no the entire, against Narnon. The, the the well, he seemed pretty educated in the entire arc of the development of FF14. So, I mean, if he's if, if he wanted to, to try to, you know, claim that, um, you know, that that the narrative, you know, the, the narrative chains have been taken off Yoshi P I, in Heaven's Word, that may be true, given another factor outside of, you know, like because, yeah, you're right. Ishgard was a pretty pretty much a foregone conclusion moving into Heaven's Word. Um, there was, you know, no other it, like we had actually spent time adventuring around Ishgard uh, in both 1.0 and 2.0. So there was like almost no way to not go there. But, but you could argue the same for Stormblood. Like, Alamigo was going to be the next place. Well, yeah, that's okay. the thing is, I, I think, like, when... Uh, I, what, what I took away from, actually, Narnan's point was that, you know, uh, uh, there was probably a lot more micromanagement that was happening from above Yoshi P for A Realm, Re- a Realm Reborn because he hadn't gained the clout within Square Enix yet to be able to, uh, you know, muscle some of his decisions. And if he was left to more of his own devices on Heaven's Word and there was less of a driving influence from somebody above him or even as a peer to him then i think yeah that that making that claim that yoshi p had a bit more freedom narratively moving forward in heaven's word is actually a pretty fair assessment yeah it's one thing to say that he was shackled and be like oh well, he was shackled in stormblood because we knew we were going there yes we knew what direction we were going in but 2.0 2.0 was literally a realm reborn. You can't remake the game and then not spend some time focusing on wrapping up what those threads were in 1.0, especially with Coil, right? Like yeah. Coil was so intricately tied to what happened in 1.0. Whereas, yes, okay, we knew we were going to Heaven's War, but we didn't necessarily have any idea what was going on in Heaven's War. That we would be dealing with Nidhogg and right. this, you know, this this war that's been going on with you know forever and the whole Thornton thing. Like I think that all of that was Yoshi. That well, those were decisions that he got to make that he wasn't shoehorned into because of some other, you know, 
implications beforehand. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, you know, you've got a right background for the Red Rooster Stead. That's not something that he had to do moving forward into Heaven's Word, but he did have to do from 1.0 to 2.0 because guess what? That was just a copy and pasted element that was uh, that was brought in by Tanaka after too many people complained that his maps were empty. You know what I mean? Like, there was no real reason that he had done it. Now, Yoshi P was tasked with, like, figure out a fucking reason that it's there. And he was like, I guess fine sure and and i think that you know this the set of expectations that square enix and even the audience had around yoshi p in a realm reborn is way different than heaven's word and i think that I think that, in you know, when you just look at it objectively, that Square Enix rose to the task as a dev team collectively for 2.0 and then maybe not so much on 3.0. Like they, they kind of like rested on their laurels and 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 let uh, I don't want to call it laziness, but they let um Oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? There's a, a, a complacency. Yeah. They let complacency set in and went, well, even if it's not to the same standard or the not not to the same quality, our audience is going to understand the personal toll that that takes on us. At least it's better than 1.0. And the thing is, is that, you know, I think... I, I, for as much as I like Yoshi P and as much as I respect him, um, I don't think that you can you can rely on that. You can't say, well, my audience my audience is going to let me get away with this because I'm Yoshi P and I, <laughs> nope. I, I fixed FF14. That's sort of like us saying, like, well, we don't have to work as hard because we're Limit Break Radio and everything that we do is going to be awesome. We don't have to. Oh, bo- my God. We don't bother. We won't have to bother uh, making an outline for this show. We're going to open the mics in three hours of FF14. Podcasting is going to fall out all on its own. Do you guys, That's fucking bullshit. You, that kind of hang on. That kind of fucking that that kind of fucking attitude drives me absolutely up the fucking wall because I see it out of other people. I see it out of other organizations. I see it out of organizations I've worked for, and it's ugly. It's ugly, and it pervades the entire staff. If it starts from the, the from the top down, it will it will absolutely invade. Every single staff member that you have working beneath you. Yeah. And it's and it's it is gross and pervasive and it is a bad attitude to start taking. And that is part of the you know, auteur argument, you know. I mean, if uh, Yoshi's trying to set himself up as a kind of an auteur artist that, you know, uh, someone on the level of a uh, Kojima, you know, that's going to be a problem for him because while he did set a very strong tone in 2.0, and uh, the willingness to revisit Final Fantasy XIV after the dismal failure that 1.0 went through, and as successful as that reconfigure and reconstruction was, uh, he still has to prove that he can maintain that sort of uh, that sort of uh, uh, reciprocation of expectations yes. from the audience. Yeah, and that's something else I wanted to talk about: uh, the sentiment versus expectations from the various versions. I mean, everyone was stoked for. For, for 14 when it originally came out but there was some warning signs in the betas and the alphas that everything wasn't shaking out the way it was supposed to mm-hmm. and we had a lot of we saw a lot of fall off plus we couldn't even get the ps3 community in there because you know they couldn't release it in such a broken state then the tsunami happened and well all sorts of different uh, difficulties piled up but they came through and said okay 
we understand that the project has become a failure. And so we're going to regroup. We're going to rework the system. We're going to make the world feel like it's an actual world and not something that was just cut and paste together in Photoshop. And they did a real good job of that, too. If you look at any of the zones in the game, regardless of whether it's from 2.0 or something from Heavensward, you can tell that they went through a lot of trouble of making the world have not just monuments or uh, points of interest, but make it look like history happened here. Right. It tells a story just by looking at the geography. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a great point. And, and the sound design. Let me tell you, man, I have heard nothing but good things about what Soken has done to the soundtrack and the the visual effects. While they have suffered somewhat, uh, they have been, for the most part, a great uh, a great tour de force from their art department. I mean, uh, having visuals that match your expectations. I mean, when you looked at those those huge zones in 3.0, it's like this is kind of what we were promised in 1.0, what they tried to deliver and failed to do. And now mm-hmm. look at it. We got all of these, all these areas that are connected together in one contiguous zone and they belong together. It looks like something that should be. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Paul, that um, some aspects definitely have maintained their quality. Obviously, the music and the sound design it is, uh, uh, you know, like Soken just kills it every time. I, I, and that was we had mentioned it last time that maybe that's the only thing that some of us are looking forward that's to moving into Stormblood. That is it is always good is that we know that Soken is going to deliver an amazing soundtrack. And the thing is, is I, uh, you know, you, you, Paul, you had brought up expectation uh you know yeah expectation versus sentiment and i think that i think that square enix vastly misjudged yoshi p personally and specifically kind of misjudged his his own kind of sentiment and and or the sentiment that exists around him i think that you know you come out and you tell your audience, man, guys, we're working so hard and we're dying and, you know, there's no way that we can maintain this quality. And, and most of your audience goes, well, yeah, but you were. And that's the thing. And like, you were getting less money for it. Figure out how to then. Yeah. yeah. Well, you try, if you try to call someone like Yoshi P an auteur, like when I think of like the auteurs that I know, I think of someone like Kubrick. Who worked his right. cast to death, right? Lit, like to get every last bit out of them for yeah. that performance, and that, and I don't see Yoshi as having a willingness to do that to his staff. He is very much kind of more a one of the team sort of people, not a you work for me and this is what I expect of you. Sacrifice ourselves for and the art. The other thing that you have to have, I think, as an auteur, is a certain level of hatred for your own audience and willingness to say to say fuck them like this is what i want to make yeah and yoshi is a people pleaser which there's nothing wrong with being a people pleaser it's a good trait in many cases but not if you want to call yourself an auteur right and but the thing is is I, i mean i think that yoshi p has the talent to be able to bring the game in a different direction if that's what he thought was necessary and i I mean and i i feel like there's enough people that are kind of voting with their feet right now and and expressing their displeasure right now that the message can't be you know not being received i I, i'm i'm curious why you know yoshi p feels like he can dig his heels in on this and and really feel like it's a defensible position because i don't think that it is 
I don't think it's a defensible position to go, ah, but guys, we're, you're working us too hard. Like, I've never believed that ever. So we I gave never, you too much. I never, look, personally for me, I've never accepted that as an excuse for us, for as as Limit Break Radio, as a crew, as, uh, you know, uh, media producers, anything like that. I, that has never been an excuse that I have accepted from us like oh well when we did it before it was too hard yeah but we did it before right you know like if you can do it once there's nothing that's so hard that you can't do it again that you can't figure out how to rise to that occasion and we do it again and again and you figure it out you work within your restriction you have any idea how hard it is to always subvert your guys's expectations oh my god Seriously. Like we can only do like you guys love it when we do pranks and like jokes and stuff like that, but we can only do it so many times before you see it coming and we have to come up with something else. Yeah, I, like if we can't, we've realized that there's certain wells that we just can't go to anymore because you guys catch it the second we yeah, start trying. Exactly. You'll, you'll never get a Nero blowing up at us and threatening to quit the show again. Burn yeah. that candle too many times. Well, yeah, we're, we're never going to get away with that again. Yeah, exactly. So and the next that's, time and it happens, it's going to be for real. <laughs> so be prepared for that. Yeah. Yo, listen, Yoshi, you just got to read the room. You got to read the room, and I'm not talking about a final fa- uh, a, a fan fest room either. I'm talking about actually measure sentiment, like go to the extra distance and actually look at the data and figure out if the content that you're putting out is being consumed at the same rate that it was back in 2.0, and if it's not, figure out what you can do not to get back to 2.0, but to in what why why that sentiment existed in the first goddamn place. And if it's hard for you to find that sentiment personally because I get it, anyone who talks to you is probably not going to tell you completely honestly what they think, but you have community team members. Go talk to Matt Hilton, mm-hmm. go talk to Ockmorn, see what they have to say. What sentiment are they seeing yeah. in the community? Uh, Infinity Fox saying the problem with taking chances is that some end up like Diadem. And you know what? The first Diadem, though it failed, People were ecstatic at the fact that you took a chance. And you know what came out of that? Deep Dungeon, which people loved. Yeah. And then they retooled Diadem into Diadem 2. But taking chances can work. You just have to make sure you take the right lessons away from those chances. And that's the thing, is that I feel like of the chances that they took, they didn't learn anything from them. And have some transparency about it. Because if you did, well, if you, I think if, objectively, if Square Enix had learned something from the D- the first DM failure that we wouldn't have DM two. Right. That they wouldn't have made the same they wouldn't have made some of the decisions that they did in DM two. And I think that's why people are so pissed about it. Like it, it's it's like you've taken You've taken the sentiment of like, yeah, that was kind of a miss, but we're we're willing to give you a, a mulligan on it, and then you've completely undone that with like your your unwillingness to listen to what was broken or unfun about the system originally, double down on the unfun parts, and then make you wait around for an emergency like. Th- I, like yeah. from a game design, from a game design standpoint, from a purely, uh, I, you know, from a from a purely objective standpoint, maybe on paper that all looks good because you've got you know some balancing in there. But seriously, it's like none of the actual human emotion or or sentiment has been taken into account. There's an element of just being allowed to say, you know what, we thought you guys would like this event, and that was our bad. We screwed up, and you know what, it may be dead content, and effectively that's wasted development time. But we're not going to waste more of your time See, with it. And, Call and, it a day. And Zero brings up a great. 
great point in the chat room. This is just another reason for a public test realm. Yeah, absolutely. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when with look, I think the biggest problem is that Square Enix isn't properly play testing the DDM stuff because it's too big. They're trying to design a system that's too big for quality assurance to go through and decide whether or not it's fun. This is this is if you do no other test realm for any other aspect of the game for the 72 man shit that you're putting out fucking put that up on a test realm yeah let it hang out stress test yeah let it hang out there for a patch cycle and let people because look there's no narrative revelation that you get out of fucking diadem even if you just go grab yourself like a school full of kids in Japan and say, hey, play this. Tell us what you think. No, fuck that. It's got, it's got to be among the FF14 player base because that way with the feedback, they can dial it in to find something fun. There's no way, especially because they don't have a QA team to rely on. They're just internally playtesting shit. They're... Their objectivity, especially when it comes to an event like this, is clearly skewed. It's broken. It doesn't work. Twice now, it hasn't worked. We've seen you're able to develop stuff for small scale. Palace of the Dead, Dungeon, you're able to balance that shit very, very well, almost to a knife's edge. But... When it comes to the large scale, the diadem, your eurekas, whatever the fuck that is going to end up being, maybe consider doing the public test realm and doing it in a way where that's the only thing that you can do on the public test realm. Don't have any other events. Don't give a have it be the build of the game just with this. If there's not going to be any narrative connection or narrative narrative revelation attached to it, why bother holding it back? Because the feedback that you're going to be receiving from your player base is far, it far outweighs any potential spoilers that you could be putting out there. Don't be fucking Atlas. Don't be Atlas, Square Enix. That's a shitty reason to justify anything. We don't want spoilers to get out there. Well, this isn't attached to your narrative. Yeah. Don't attach it to your narrative. If you're good, if you want Eureka to follow the same path, God damn, uh, try retooling it again or put out a PTR, you know, before before you drop the expansion. I don't fucking know, man. I don't know. But I, I think a public test realm is really needed for events like this. You're doing a big server transfer around May to help the North American servers. It'd be a good time to drop a test realm. Maybe, See, maybe yeah. you could repurpose those old servers. Yeah. Who cares? Of course, course they run like if, garbage. If, if they did that, then we'd have to drop one of our uh, dungeons that we get each patch, guys. <laughs> uh, and, and to respond to Notorious BLT, they don't have an external QA team. Mm-hmm. They don't hire anyone. It's it's only Square Enix employees or devs that really get a chance to play test this. So no, I, I, I they don't actually go through what I would think is the necessary QA to be able to continue development on an MMO. It's it's it, I think you would have a hard time finding 72 people that work in the entirety of Square Enix to sit down and do one event. How can you properly balance it then? Yeah. Anyway, uh let's go back to our phone lines and talk to Kari. What's up, Kari? Whoa, no. What? No, I didn't get anyone. You're a failure. I, don't look at me. Way to go, Skuro. What is wrong with you? Who's Kari? Uh, 
Oh, that was a that burp. was a good. That one. was gross. That was a verp. You guys heard? Ugh, a verp. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That took me a second. There comes a call. There is definitely a little bit of vomit there. Okay, we got Kari apparently now. What's I up, think? Kari? Welcome to Limit Break Radio. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, my mouth tastes like I licked the bottom side of a bar, but otherwise fine. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. We call that an Ascalia special. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're yeah, dirty. I guess things really did change after Papa left. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little sad. Things have never been the same. No, they haven't. Anyway, what's up? Oh, not too much. You just said uh, early on you were talking about difficulty. And one of those things between 2.0 and 3.0 that always bugged me was just how much easier 3.0 was over 2.0. Yeah, I mean, it really has been. I, I I think ever since the decision to neuter uh, the steps of faith, that all of the MSQ associated content and really all the content overall has seen a really dip in the challenge. Um, and they try to, Kahlo uh, had used a great word, they try to compartmentalize the challenge. And they try to say, well, it's, it's, it's only optional. And when you make a challenge optional, I think it really does a disservice to the idea of presenting the challenge in the first place. I'm trying to remember, was Ramu normal and Shiva normal? Were those hard? There wasn't normal versions. There were hard versions, and then they came out with the extremes. Right. Oh, well, wait, sure. Okay, whatever the storyline version of them, were, yes. they, were those hard? No. No, those weren't hard. Maybe you wiped once. Yeah, yeah I don't remember Ramu being terribly hard at all. Yeah, I don't think the, I don't think the storyline missions in 2.0 were really that much easier than 3.0. Yeah. I think they're harder than 3.0. I think they're pretty comparable. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I think that you had more... I mean, you had more of them. Like, I, I don't. Sure, I, absolutely. I, more. You know, uh, all of the uh, primals or all of those types of fights were relegated simply to a side quest as opposed to the MSQ. So I think that the urgency to get them done felt uh, diminished. Yeah. And, then, and, 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 you know, then they play less of a key feature in the MSQs. And when you look back at the MSQ, you're like, oh, I got one custom dungeon. And that's, that's it. That's really what it was because you only got Ravana and Bismarck, basically, right. and Thornton out of the MSQ. Right. Yeah. And those three were really rushed. And after that, we were. Uh, uh, taken to the Warring Triad, which was uh, separated out into its own side quest. So, I mean, and, and I don't think that that was probably the worst decision that they had. Removing the primals from the MSQ was probably a smart idea. The problem is, is that they didn't replace them with anything meaningful. Right. Mm-hmm. They replaced them with a couple of, of uh, you know, there was that one PvP battle that was awful. Duties. Yeah, it was. They were like mini duties or mini dungeons yeah. with no way to even necessarily repeat those and or the, any reason to repeat them the amount yeah. of necessary dungeons was cut in half as well because you had snow cloak and at least another one that we were funneled through what was it keeper um, of the lake uh keeper of the lake but there was another one there was a hard mode that we were also funneled through um sunken temple of karn or was that the normal regular sunken temple of karn that we were funneled through no i think we were f- it was one of them. It was one of them. But like the thing is, is that how many attached dungeons did we have to the 3.0 storyline? Google, Anti Tower, and uh, the Vault Wall, and Balesar's Wall. Is That's that it. all of them? There's one more. I mean, but three of those came within one within 3.0. Yeah. In terms of patches, we only really had that one. We had Balesar and Zelfatol. Zelfatol necessary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's right. You know, that's right. You're right. Kind of. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it was yeah, technically weird plot wise. Uh, but again, I mean, if you go back and look at Heavens, uh, or if you look at A Realm Reborn, you had all of the dungeons as you were leveling up as well. I mean, yeah. that's, that's dude, that's so many more, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and that's the other thing is like, it almost seems, it almost seems crazy to me that Square Enix wasn't able to deliver something of even higher quality because they didn't have 50 job levels to try to create content for and then a level cap to create content for. They had to create content for 10 job levels and then the cap. And even still, only having to create that little content to drive players through, we still got objectively less than we got in A Realm Reborn. Yeah, but that I feel like that was a design philosophy and decision. That was conscious. They, they Hopefully, you know what? If it had freed them up to work on other shit, if it had freed them up to work on more content, I think that that would have been justifiable and I would have accepted that excuse. I think that that excuse becomes a lot less acceptable when you look at the full arc of content that we got with 3.0. When you consider it like, okay, sure, that was a choice and you were trying to maybe pare down some of your responsibilities or lighten your load on your dev team at the time that you made it. No, I think it was more of a design philosophy. Like they, I feel like they don't want to put dungeons in MSQ stuff because then... In order to get that dungeon, in order to get the roulettes, you got to go through the MSQ, which can take people up to like two, three weeks, Kooky. Yeah, because we wouldn't want people to have an incentive to do the MSQ. Well, no, I, I'm tr- there was five MSQ dungeons on the way from 50 to 60. Right. And then there wasn't there one with every expansion or with every patch one required for the MSQ? I think there was. We forgot Sorkai. Um... And we forgot. Yeah. Was it, what was the one that came out along with Never Reap? What was the other one? Oh, uh, our fractal. Fractal. What? What was one of those required? Yeah. Fractal was required. Yeah. Was yeah, that no, was a storyline no. one. Wasn't fractal. It? Com- no, Fractal was not. Uh, Atheochemical Research Facility. Was, fractal that was wasn't? required. No. Huh. The first two. Oh, here we go. Anti Tower, Sarkai, Zalphatol, and one other. So the last one was the Wall. Was the last one. Walls and Bailsar's Wall. Yep. Well, I, right. I can, I can just look at the patches. Yeah, there you go. You got them up. <laughs> yeah, there was one in every MSQ, but I don't know. Overall, I get out of here and why? So why do we care more in A Realm Reborn? Was it because the primals were tied into it and they were more interesting? No, I think the reason that we cared more in A Realm Reborn was because the pacing of the story kept us interested. It kept us on one long tether. Every single time a patch dropped, we were all focused in on the same problem, the same conflicts, the same you know plot points and, 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 and plot hooks. And we were all there. It kept escalating, right? One thing after the other, one thing after the other, in the way that it worked in Heaven's Ward, because again, Heaven's Ward had a very, very strong start, and then from there, it's like, all right, here's this problem we're all concerned about, shelve that now, here's this other problem we're concerned about, shelve that now, here's a new problem we're concerned about, shelve that now, let's go back to the first one, and you're like, oh, yeah, um, I'm not really sure I, I care about that now. Okay, this other thing that we shelved a while. Like, yeah. the pacing was so bad and so off that there was no connection to it. Yeah, the, the lingering thread of the primals kind of it kept us on one path throughout. Well, 2.X. yeah, and, and I mean, obviously, they kept that primal thing through Heaven's Ward, too. But, like, at that point, it's just like, oh, it's the new primal. All right, let's go deal with it. The only thing that consistently kept me engaged 
throughout Heaven's Ward was where are the other Scions and when are we going to find them? When we knew that a Scion was coming back, I was tuned in. Because, like, Yashtola's whole arc was awesome. Yeah, right? Yashtola was way cooler. After Even that. Thancred's awesome. Minfilia's... Who cares? But who cares about Minfilia to begin with? Well, they... They brought back every Scion, and we cared about them more. They could have done that with Minfilia, but instead it was just like, nah, no one liked her, so let's get rid of her. Not even in a uh, way that felt fulfilling. Yeah, or satisfying at all. Yeah, right. And then even bringing back Poplimo and Yidda, even that didn't really feel all that satisfying to me, because again, by this time, the entire expansion went by. Yeah, they've been teasing them for so long, like in one Ugh. three second cutscene at a time. By the time they actually got here, it was like, who cares? Yeah, right. and, then like the, the and, and, and then they threw Poplimo out of here anyway. Now, had they used Yestola instead of Poplimo, holy shit. I yeah, think but that oh, would have went down but, way differently. Yeah, but then you don't have as compelling of a point for no, Lise no, or. I, I agree. No, I yeah. agree. It, it had to be Poplimo, yeah. but I didn't give a shit. Yeah. They need to introduce Yida, Lise, and Poplimo at the start of the expansion so we can get back into liking them as characters and then take them away. Right. Take Pop. Yeah, that was definitely, that definitely weakened their bottom line waiting so long. And and the thing is, is I, I mean, I felt like even when we would get a dungeon that was attached to the MSQ in the 2.0 expansion, that it felt much more meaningful and and I, I don't know purposeful as yeah. opposed to this Random go round, play, yeah, place. like Zelfatol, like okay, cool. Well, again, you go back somewhere like Snowcloak, where yeah, that was awesome. It was like you were going through Snowcloak to get to Shiva. Yeah, it, they made the primal fight itself feel like the reward for clearing Snowcloak. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, anyway, thanks for the call, Kari. We appreciate it. Uh, let's go back to our phone lines, and uh, we'll talk to Rav Mal of Cactar. And I don't know that I can tap dance much longer while you get your shit together, Juxta. Rav, are you on the phone? Yep, I'm here. Hey, what's up, Rav? Welcome to Limit Break Radio. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to touch on a couple things. Uh, I definitely agree with the whole sentiment that 3.x compared to 2.x um uh what, what was it last week a wet fart yeah wet, um, wet it, fart <laughs> sounds about right oh. <laughs> um i i think i think one of the things that really in, in my mind um you know uh shows their whole how like the whole story and how everything really turned out is uh the is the war in triads music you know we had sephiroth was awesome we had sophia was awesome and then we get zervon and it's like oh okay this is okay, i feel like i've great. heard this before yeah it, it, it wasn't it wasn't really like anything like like uh, great it was just like you know yeah i don't know EDM it, it, or something I, I mean yeah I, I i mean i guess i agree i was not as impressed with the zervon music but it, yeah i mean if if you want to kind of use that as a analogy for the way that the rest of heaven's word content ended up shaking out i think that that's not right. totally unfair uh but yeah i, I mean it, it it's it's frustrating to you know be at this point in the game where it feels like you know we, we've given you plenty of money your budget has increased we know that it's increased you've told us that it's increased several and, times by the way yeah you should not have told us yeah that. don't ever tell yeah yeah, yeah don't ever now you that. plan on reducing the amount of content you're giving us yeah exactly and uh, you know like i think I, honestly a lot of my goodwill burned away with lords of verminion 
Because it was such a stupid addition, especially coming right out of the gate at 3.1 and delay. Let's not forget that they had delayed 3.1 by what was it like four weeks, four, six weeks, six, a long time. It, it was a while that 3.1 had been delayed. And that it, was after the time gated content of the raid and shit, too. Right. And Diadem didn't get released till uh, 3.15. And, and Heaven's Word even got delayed, too, because originally when they had uh, announced That's it, right. announced it for uh, FanFest, they had said that it was going to be coming summer, and it ended up coming out fall. So, so right. or, or well, was spring, June. sorry, spring, and it spring, came out yeah. summer. It says on that That's right. thing yeah. over there. So, um, you know, that that yeah. was, uh, yeah, well, look at that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, was, that was another piece of, of big, that was a big sentiment hit. And even though, like, none of us personally were ready to jump ship, there were enough people that were right out of the gate of Heaven's Word that, you know, they had kind of sat back and were like, impress me, Square Enix. You know, like, now the ball's in, in your court. If you're going to take the extra time, you better be wowing me. And they take the extra time and then they don't deliver. Like, I think that's the most frustrating part as a fan. Undeliver even. Yeah. Really? Un- the amount of people, like, like, like the best way, the number one way to take, take me from zero to triggered is people who try to defend DM 2 by saying, oh, it's just a testing ground while they work on Eureka. Oh, come on. Like, the fact that every piece of content that comes out, it's okay that it sucks because it's a testing ground for the next thing that's going to suck, but it's a testing ground for the next thing. I'm like, where the fuck do we draw the line all they're just moving the goalpost dude they're just moving the goalpost to uh to to be able to give yoshi p enough benefit of the doubt to keep their faith strong uh, now look i i am a fan of yoshi p i think he's a smart guy i think he's still the right guy for the job but i mean there are enough people who hear the show and think that we're bashing on yoshi p and become you know uh, uh you know brainless sycophants where i can kind of see why why there's this sentiment that's starting to grow among, you know, maybe more cynical players of FF14 that's saying, look, maybe Yoshi P is not the right guy for the job. Maybe it's going to take changing up something about the the core group composition that's going to be the thing that Final Fantasy XIV needs to be able to pull it out of the ditch. Just like removing Tanaka was the thing that needed to to, to pull FF14 out of the ditch. Now, I, I mean, I don't think that I agree with that at all. Uh, but I do think that that sentiment grows when when... You know, people like whoever it is, who's whoever is defending him in the chat or, you know, uh, on the forums, whenever you guys make fucking excuses for the man, don't make excuses for him. Hold him accountable. Mm-hmm. Hold, if you hold him accountable, it will make him better. It will make him try more. And if you're confused, like holding him accountable doesn't mean calling for his job. Holding right. him accountable says this isn't acceptable. It has to be better. Right. That is holding someone accountable. Exactly. You know, what we do here, a lot of people, again, think that, uh, you know, our show is very harsh and very critical. And in some ways it is. And that's, you know, it's on purpose. But the thing is, is we're not we're not going to apologize for Square Enix. We're not going to make excuses for them. You know, when when they're making decisions that even we can't as as big a fans of 14 and as big a fans of Square Enix and as big a fans as Final Fantasy as we are, that we can't even understand this, the decisions that they're making that, you know, I, I think that in, in and of itself proves right there 
the lack of, uh, you know, not the lack of dedication, but the, the lack of willingness to just let it slide. And it's not mean, guys. It's not meant with any kind of meanness. Like, this is meant to be like, uh, you know, honestly, what what do I feel like I want out of this game? And curbing my opinions to make sure that they're the most palatable for if Square Enix happens to listen to this episode or whether it's palatable for every last thin skinned moron that decides to listen to the show because it's an FF14 show just by simple virtue of uh, of being an FF14 show. Then you know what? Our core audience, the people who love us for being the show that we are, would not continue to love or support us and we would not continue to get the same amount of audience that we do week over week and i i i really do believe that yoshi p if maybe he stopped listening to so many people us included and just did what the fuck he wanted to do and made what the fuck game he wanted to make. Yeah. That in the end, we would probably have a better game right now. You know, I remember when A Realm Reborn first came out, there was a interview that he did where he said that one of the things that he always loved about the Final Fantasy series was how dark it was, especially in its earlier days, and how he wanted to take Final Fantasy XIV back to its dark roots. I don't know what happened to that guy because now I feel like every time he's in an interview, it's all about making this an FF theme park. Right. Which is so far from that first quote as you could possibly get. Yeah. I, 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 and I don't know what exactly changed if it was, you know, when Square Enix decided that Yoshi P was the defender of the Final Fantasy brand name or what it was exactly. But yeah, it's like at some point he started smelling his farts and forgetting that they stink. I, I mean... To be honest with you, like, I, I mean, I don't I don't think all of those people who are saying that, you know, maybe we need we need fresh blood associated with it. May, I don't think all of them are necessarily wrong either. There's definitely something that is stale here. It's not as satisfying as it used to be. And that's frustrating for a lot of players, us included. We hear you. We see your posts. Even if Square Enix doesn't, we sure fucking do. Even if other shows don't, we sure fucking do. And I think all of that, at, at the heart of all of that, that, that emotion, right, is just wanting to make the game better. Because the, the minute that any of these angry people stop being angry, they cease to give a shit. Myself included. And if they stop giving a shit, then you've really run into a roadblock. I mean, you think you can pull out from, uh, you know, from 4.0 to 5.0, another calamity and, 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 and getting a whole bunch of people back into this game. Go for it. If you, if that wants to be, if, if that's your model for success, fine, go for it. I mean, the much more likely option is that this thing just kind of fizzles out. Over time, like a ton of other MMOs, like most yeah. MMOs, like countless MMOs, like Fantasy Star Online too, right? <laughs> and and I don't think any of us want to see this see that happen. No, all of us want to see this game continue to grow and succeed. You know, when when we tell our friends, we want to be able to to give it a confident recommendation. Like you're definitely not going to be bored playing. It's this. a final, or it is a mainlined Final Fantasy. 
It's Final Fantasy 14. It's arguably the, the, <laughs> the most recent Final Fantasy that, until recently, was good. <laughs> So anyway, let's uh, let's take one final call here because uh, we're uh, a little bit over time. But uh, let's take one call uh, here from uh, Doris. J- or, or I'm sorry, who do we have on next? Cookie. Oh, it's Cookie. Oh, Cookie. Cookie. Uh, let's talk to Cookie Nurse of Ultros. What's up, Cookie? Uh, listening to y'all. How about you? Uh, I think listening we're, to you. Yeah. <laughs> Got <her. laughs> um, I was calling actually as a counterpoint to what y'all had discussed earlier um, regarding the amount of freedom that Yoshi P had in 2.0 versus 3.0. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry to go back to something so old. I was just curious because in some ways, I, you know, I, I haven't been playing from the beginning. Y'all are way more knowledgeable about this, but wouldn't you think that because 1.0 was failing, that because one, that he, the Yoshi P in a sense, even though he's trapped lore wise, he would have had more freedom to take the game in a different direction. Whereas now that it's a success, there's more pressure on him to, um, to keep mon- making money, to keep earning things, and to keep generating the same product that has worked. I think, I think that's valid. That's a that's definitely a valid question. Where does the actual pressure end up coming in? Because you know, I I I, I think I think both of both of those positions end up having considerable considerable amounts of pressure. Because if you're being brought in as the guy to save this multi million dollar project that just flopped, like on the one hand, yeah, you can sit there and be like, nothing that I can do is possibly is as bad as 1.0, and it does give you a little bit of freedom to kind of work inside of that which we saw him do from uh 1.13 to 1.23 when uh 1.0 ended up wrapping up and he worked as as much as he could within the restrictions that he had mm-hmm. and then moving forward into 2.0 that he had a much better pivot point to create the game that he wanted to create which i think he got the he got the opportunity to do with a realm reborn and then i actually think that that cookie brings up a really good point that there is a secondary pressure now that a realm reborn is successful from the top that says you have to maintain that success and it may not be his decision or it may be a decision above him that says well you've got to keep on this treadmill to maintain your success because as we've seen uh game developers and game publishers can be notoriously dumb and and stubborn when it comes to concepts like dlc or concepts of don't rock the boat do the safe you know make the safe decision do the safe thing and so you know for for all of the commentary that we had given earlier on in the show that says yoshi p uh might be listening to too much player feedback he also might be listening to too much feedback from the top and he may not have an ability to address that or to to muscle back against that although you would think in some regards that he he would gain the clout to be able to push back against that as you know as he sees more and more success well, so i don't know i i think that i think that cookie you bring up a really good point that it may not be as clear cut as as we've sort of you know made it out to be or 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 described it as and that's totally fair um but i i don't know i don't know that anyone can definitively answer that with any kind of certainty well, I think especially going into 2.0, there had to be a group of suits saying things along the lines of, look, we just spent a fortune developing this game. Don't tell me we have to throw it all away. Right, Reuse right. what you can. Well, and it's one thing to say, because I, I don't think we were saying that in 3.0, there wasn't any pressure. Obviously, there's still pressure everywhere you go to be successful. But I think what 
my eyes have mostly been opened up to is that when it came to him having the freedom to pick and choose what narrative he wanted to tell, that maybe that's not his strong point. Coming up with his own narrative plot points and hooks and twists and turns, maybe that isn't where his strong suit is. It's taking what somebody else has created and executing it. You know what? That That's also a great point. I think that there are people who are better about taking something that that, that is pre-existing and, and doing something unique and different with it and subverting some audience expectations in the long run versus someone who creates something from the ground up with the intention of subverting those expectations or, or playing into those expectations, right? Like, I think creating something from the ground Round up you you end up having uh, you know you 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 have those conversations that are a lot harder like what you know what is our intention and you know what are we trying to guide what are we trying to create what are we trying to craft i think you know when we when we were building limit break radio from nothing we had a lot of those conversations like w- w- do what kind of things do we want to encourage do we want to have swearing on the show you know like mm-hmm. all of these different things like when people start paying attention to you and you gain an audience yeah I, you you consider all of those different things but when we had the pre-established architecture to come back with the ff14 show we definitely were able to subvert expectations and surprise audiences and keep them guessing in in this new way that we weren't before the more and more i think about it honestly i think that that's what the problem is because 2.0 going to 3.0 that felt natural right right we knew we were going there that was such like a natural progression and the build up to it like everything about it just felt right and joe or <clears throat> ascalia you said earlier that oh well you know we kind of had to go to alamigo too yeah but again that's something that was built into the storyline right mm-hmm. right depending on how they did heaven's ward that could have built us up to go somewhere else entirely and when you look overall at the narrative do we actually feel like we've been set up to go to alamigo and doma is does that feel as natural and as fulfilling as i think alamigo definitely not doma though uh, right but yeah. does it feel the same type of fulfilling and does it make as much sense as 2.0 into 3.0 did because i don't think it does no i i mean I don't, I think I definitely I'm definitely not as connected to the areas uh, in Alamigo because we haven't been adventuring there. We mm. haven't we haven't been inching exactly. there, so and we see, haven't been looking at it for 1.0 and 2.0. We years. were around yes, around the the the, the Heavensward Ishgard area. So right. that's why it felt relevant. It felt like this is the direction to go. And even though the story has been pointing us towards Alamigo and I guess towards Doma, it hasn't been there. So there's something about it that it it's still feel we, we still feel of, very removed and and yes. I think that when when we had initially started to talk about Doma and the uh you know the the uh, prospect of going to Authord I had said that it needs it, since it's land that we really have no context for it mm-hmm. needs to feel far more explorative and you know what they actually uh, uh Yugiri has been so far removed from everything until just recently if they would have brought her in and gave, a, gave us more exposition with her having us tell us more stories about her homeland right. stuff like that we might have actually felt a little bit more connected to Doma than we do now yeah that's that's kind of a good point Cookie thank you very much for the call appreciate it uh, if you want to call Limit Break Radio uh, I guess right this time 
down for next time because uh, we're almost out of time. We're going to take <laughs> we are going to take one last call. Uh, but Limit Break Radio on Skype eight one zero five one five eight seven one five Limit Break Radio dot com slash Discord. The cool thing about Discord is that sometimes people hang out in there outside of doing the show as well. All like, the time. Yeah, people people just kind of use it as whatever, like a chat little thingy. Yeah. yeah. So chat room. Um, if you want to join the the Discord, I guess we're we were forming a Discord community quite by accident. Oh yeah. Um, if you want to join our Discord community, of course, limitbreakradio.com slash Discord is how that happens. Uh, and if you join, you know, make sure you put it in like your favorites list and stuff like that. So got over 150 people in there. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, that's not a small community at all. Um, anyway, so uh, let's take one last call here. This is uh, Doris Ginevanian from Tonberry. What's up, Doris? Oh, it's Jive and Ivan. Okay. Jive and Ivan. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've just uh, finished my um, anime weapon last night. Oh, man. What a bloody grind that was. Congrats? Is is it as weeby as you thought it would be? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It might as well have big anime eyes for as much as it means anymore. Anyway, congratulations. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. um, Yeah. Please, um, like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, one time, like, Escalia once said that he, like, he doesn't more, like, want more of the same in Stormblood. Like, if Stormblood's, um, if Stormblood sucks, like, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Hey. Right. You will find that that sentiment is pretty strong here. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, and, like, if Stormblood's bears, then I really think we need to, like, seriously look at maybe even, like, replacing Yoshi. He's one of those guys. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, because a few thing is, if you, if you keep doing the same old bloody boring thing, like, you know, collecting your tombstones, you know, collecting your thing out of um, the 24 man every week, and that, that shit's getting old. No, I think I think uh, that you're going to find a lot of folks that uh, agree with you, not just in the chat, but here on the show as well. It is getting old. It's a treadmill. And there's, you know, I I feel like if you're not down for the, uh, you know, eye level grind, then you're not getting as much as what you're supposed to. Like Yoshi P wants you to be down for that eye level grind. And if that's just not something that, you know, that, that really activates your your pleasure sensors or your satisfaction sensors, then it's just not going to be, you know, it's not going to be something that that you're into. And I mean, for me, I just look at it and I'm like, dude, I know that next expansion, this is all going to be worthless shit anyway in two levels or five levels or however many it is. And there's no long-term investment. You know, Doris completing uh, the anime weapon, that's, that's fantastic. I just have no idea why I would even try anymore. You know, like, um, especially with red mage coming out. Well, and to that's his, I think that's a little bit different. And to his point, yeah, like right now, no, I'm not calling for Yoshi's job. I think it's still his job to have or to lose. Right. But if Stormblood sucks, yeah, that's when I get there. Yeah. When Storm, if Stormblood is bad, that is two expansions in a row. Yeah. That's, and that's, yeah, I call that that's time to start like questioning your job status. Yeah, that's tough, man. It is. It is a really tough thing uh, because I, no one wants to bail on this. You know, no, I think all of us really like. 
you know, uh, what A Realm Reborn had built and was was very captivated by it. And, um, you know, Heaven's Word, while it it has strained that relationship a little bit, I think, you know, there's still enough positive sentiment and enough hype moving into Stormblood that if they make the right decisions, they're going to be able to keep me. Oh, yeah. But I think Stormblood's good. We'll be like, they'll have plenty of happy people. Yes. But I, I do agree with you, Ascalia, that Stormblood is a bit of a make or break moment for and not Final Fantasy fourteen. And not four point X. Four yeah. point No, you're right, because four point we know that four point I, I well, I think four point being good is a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. It's a given. Uh, yeah, but we're going to get the map, the roadmap kind of as we get towards the end of 4.0. We're going to have an idea sure. of what we're looking for. Sure. And no, but I it. but the real the real test is 4.1. The yeah. real 4.1, that's fair. The real test. Yeah, cuz it's easy to put out 4.0 and have like a really strong compelling start. I mean, Heaven's Ward was the same way. Exactly. But from, you know, 3.1 that's when we we kind of saw like, oh, this is where this is going, huh? Exactly. Shit's on the wall and we put it there. Yeah. Well, Yoshi put it there. Anyway, Dor- I just hope they haven't um, like wasted all the budgets to, on the bloody uh, WrestleMania props that they did and all the advertising. Well, hopefully, hopefully that didn't end up coming with a huge price tag. I don't know. I don't know what the exchange was. So a lot of times there's uh, there's an exchange on something like that. I mean, again, if we don't know, Austin could have been the one that approached them. And if that's the case, that would have lowered the price tag quite a bit. Well, they definitely had the whole like presented by Stor- or Final Fantasy 14 Stormblood on there. So, yeah, there was some sponsorship deal going on there. It, it, there was definitely an exchange of something, but I, I don't know what that price tag was. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. But uh, I mean, I think I, I think that that frustration from Doris is uh you know is pretty valid that it's like why are we wasting time or money or promotion doing something with wrestlemania which by the way how many gamers is that actually going to hit all of them you know what i mean like i i understand that there's probably a pretty good section of the wrestlemania audience that is also into gaming but i mean like of them how many are going to end up picking up the game trying it out just because you know the new day came out in uh in some I think you probably turn more fans onto WWE and New Day than you turn wrestlers onto Final Fantasy. I mean, maybe. I mean, that's that's, really that's pretty yeah. not wrong. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to see what ends up happening. Uh, but thank you, uh, Jive and Ivan, Doris Jive and Ivan from Tonberry. Appreciate hearing from you as well as all of our callers today. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of newer names that I, I haven't recognized before. So that's always nice. Nice to hear from you guys. And, uh, and again, you know, all of these folks that like to sit here and shit on us over YouTube comments that, you know, are like, oh, well, where do you get that number 70% of the, the game's population is dissatisfied with the content direction. Well, I, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just you know bias of our audience, but you know we uh, we sit here for three hours, three and a half hours today. But we sit here for three hours every single week and have open phone lines that anyone can call. Not just our fans, yep. not just the people whose names that we recognize, and not just the people who agree with us. In fact, in the past two weeks, I've only seen I think last week there were. Th- Two or three people in the chat who were voicing opposite opinions of ours. It's hard to call them opinions because they didn't have any justification or reasonings behind them, just that they didn't agree with us. Sure. But I'd say that from what we've seen and experienced here, that it's more than 70%. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And... 
I, I mean, the the idea that uh, that you're gonna, you know, push back on us or troll us out of uh, out of doing, you know, the show or whatever. Hey, go fuck yourself. You know, that's, that's not gonna yourself. happen. That's not gonna happen. But the thing is, is uh, you know, um, go to YouTube and fight these fucking YouTube commenters. <laughs> Fight them. That's right. Literally to the throw death. your fists down. Well, no, I mean, we'll pay for your lawyer fees. No, no we, we won't. No, no we, we won't. won't. We okay. don't have that kind of money. It's not. It's not we'll like pay it's for not your lawyer fees if they do it. Don't pro pu bono. Don't punch your screen because or find the person who's coming. You definitely don't like track somebody down. Maybe a lawyer in our Twitch chat will give you services for free, but probably not. But seriously, uh, you know. It, I, I don't I don't put much stock into YouTube comments at all, but the fact that we still get so many shitty ones, like it, it really cracks me up. They're super entertaining, is what they are. They really are. I mean, we'll we'll go back to. Um, we've got ten ten more weeks of shows, nine more weeks. YouTube if we don't count next week. Comment show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You hear that, trolls? Get them ready. They're now they're going to go back and delete their shitty comments. We got anyway. 10 get, weeks, bro. Yeah, get ready for your 15 seconds in the spotlight while we shit all over you. That's right, you dumb cons. Anyway. That's it. That's it. We're, we're 30 minutes over. Anyway. The end. The end. Discussion we'll in, over. We'll see you in two weeks. Heaven's Word was better than... Uh, 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 <laughs> A Realm Reborn was better than Heaven's Word. Done. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Discussion over. I thought... I thought Heaven's War was gonna was gonna take the take it over Shut ARR. Up. It was close. <laughs> no, Shot didn't. No, but uh, honestly, to uh, to to wrap this up, I do think that Square Enix really does need to re uh, you know readdress the, their sentiment issue. And if they don't think that this is an issue, that I think that that's a really cavalier attitude to be taking. That when your lifeblood, your success and failure rate is determined by how many people are paying the subscription for your game, that you do need to be paying attention to things like sentiment. You don't have the opportunity to buck convention and say, well, it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter. You know, like, fuck what the majority of people think. I want to make this game for me that I don't think is happening and if it was like it, i think we would be ending up with a very different game so i i think that square enix really needs to uh you know really decide what the arc of ff14 is going to be moving forward we do know that 4.0 is pretty much all but set in stone that we know that that Square Enix knows, and the development team knows, and Yoshi P knows where the arc of 4.0 is going to take us. And if we're at the point where we're considering what the next steps are for 5.0, that there are some really critical key areas that Square Enix needs to put a lot of consideration into. And one of them that we didn't get into was reward structure. I think that's a big one. Player sentiment, that's another one. And, uh, and, and, and player motivation, I think that's your third. You've got to look at all of those things, not from, you know, the the data that the servers are providing you, but by doing the boots on the ground, old school, you know, engaging with the community and kind of figuring out what it is that 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 the majority of people want, because I don't think that this is the what the majority of people want. I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find people who are defending Square Enix or defending Yoshi P at this point. 
because his decisions have been lackluster almost from every for for anyone at any skill level of this game. They have not been the best decisions for new incoming players, and they haven't been the best decisions for your long-term player base. If Square Enix wants FF14 to continue and to be successful, one of the things that they've got to let go of is this idea that they're going to be continually able to attract new players with every expansion. Sorry, it's not going to happen. You've got to double down on your existing veteran player base. You've got to double down on the people that are there and have been paying your subscriptions for the longest. And you have to make sure that they're happy. Because if they're happy, they're going to turn other people into your hardcore player base. By virtue of enthusiasm, by virtue of positive sentiment, and coming out and saying, I play this game a ton and you should too and here's why. You're hard-pressed to find people that'll say that right now. Even in our chat room, even you know, even logging in, you're going to be hard-pressed to find that attitude right now. Square Enix needs to do better than that. And I think that they can. They've proven that they can. If, if they were able to pull it out of the gutter that was 1.0, then there's no reason that they can't turn this ship around. And that's the thing that keeps me believing every single time. Because I know that they can I've seen it happen. I've watched you do it. All right, that's going to be it for Limit Break Radio this week. Guys, again, I want to encourage you to stick around. Checkpoint Radio is going to be coming up next right here. We're going to push a little bit of commercials, and then we're going to come back with the latest episode, this week's episode of Checkpoint Radio. You can find that at CheckpointRadio.com, or just hang out and continue to listen. It's coming up next here on Twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. I want to thank everyone for calling in and for listening. Uh, Let's see how many people we got here at the end. 206 people. That's 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 great to hold 206 all the way until the end of the show, especially as I've been rambling and and carrying on. That's great. Um, I I, want to see all 206 of you stick around for Checkpoint Radio. I would love to see that. So uh, thank you guys for listening here live at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. LimitBreakRadio.com is the website. If you want to hear any of our older shows, we've got a full archive of shows going back to when we started the show in 2006 for Final Fantasy 11 and every show since we've brought the show back for Final Fantasy 14 a full full archive of the show exists over at limitbreakradio.com I want to thank our producer Kooky Persona who's been answering phones and hanging out as well as Skuro who's I think been responsible for something but I'm not entirely sure what as well as my crew Juxtaposition Escalia Rayumasa Kahlo Landis and even though she was feeling sick today. Nika Kayanian. I'm an hero. Keep listening. Limit Break Radio is a production of LimitBreakRadio.com and Bender Media Productions. This episode was produced by Cal Landis, Juxtaposition, and Kooky Persona. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzee are trademarks of Square Enix. Funding for Limit Break Radio is provided by Miri Kennett, Satori Komeji, Dark Flux, Null Packet, Shira Hartslot, and fellow Limit Break Radio listeners. 
To support Limit Break Radio, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. Opening music in this episode from Daniel Lambie. Listen to Man with the Machine Gun and other great tracks at facebook.com slash Gamer. Closing music in this episode provided by Husky by the Geek. Listen to this and other great Final Fantasy XIV and video game rock covers and original music at facebook.com slash huskybythegeek. In-game graphics for Limit Break Radio's Twitch stream are provided by Diamond Multimedia. Check out their line of AMD graphics cards and other hardware at diamondmm.com. Limit Break Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content. 